0: Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital
1: scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos And you are listening to Keeping
0: It Strong Style, the Ace of Podcasts. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh come and hit a job out in Barrio the Fros. Tokyo Dome over to the G1 Social Suplex is a network Where we can get it done I'ma chill and let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping it strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping a Strong Style, the Ace of Podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Dalvin here with the young boy Josh Smith and Karen Pearson from Post Wrestling. On today's show, we will preview Secure Genesis and cover all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or Keeping a Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Prostling Tea store, prostlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com. Frequently updated and with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared plus, synchronizing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPWworld to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Karen, Josh, how are you guys doing?
2: I'm doing well. How have you been?
0: Good. Tired after this uh, long WrestleMania weekend.
2: <laughs> Recovering week, right?
0: <laughs> I am utterly exhausted from WrestleMania <laughs> weekend. Like, And we didn't even go. We weren't right?
2: even
0: there. <laughs> I know. I was talking to Karen before I record. I was like, I feel like going to the city, it's a lot easier to keep up with what's going on versus being at home and trying to watch everything head-to-head and different streams and the time difference
1: yeah this one was weird um you know i don't we don't have to like break down everything that happened on wrestlemania weekend but i will tell you this um most of what i saw on the various independent shows that were taking place they just felt very inconsequential you know like very showcasey but like nothing that was really sticking to the kayfabe of any individual companies remember back in the day like you'd go and evolve and WWN and you know all these Chikara and all these different groups would be running and they'd have like builds to the matches that were taking place in their shows and then people be hyped and they'd go see them and they'd play into the overall storyline now you just go to like a spring break and you just see some guys wrestle in a you know in a great match but At the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't lead to anything. And it kind of just feels like that's what this has become at this point. Like just a bunch of matches with a bunch of guys that kind of doesn't mean anything unless you're really, really into them. I feel like it's a bigger deal for the people that are there now than it is for those of us watching at home for the most part
2: one of the things that i've realized speaking to build on that it's more have been it's been a shift from you know the involved storylines to making it feels like it's they're making it more accessible for casual fans who descend upon whatever city wrestlemania is in Mm -hmm. and you know they they want to they buy that russell con ticket package or they buy that you know streaming package and they have absolutely no idea who any of these people are they may have heard a name in passing on social media or whatever and it's just kind of like it's just like a big wrestling buffet at this point, or it's just like, you can like, you could try a little bit of this. You might get 18 Mike Bailey matches or, you know, when it was, <laughs> right. Orlando, it was like 20 Zack Sabre jr. Matches. I don't know how he got around in Orlando with like 55 minute drive, but you know, it's just what it's, it's evolved into make, it's kind of more accessible, but also still kind of has the, like, I don't want to call it a trash and vibe, but it's like there, there, there are things that are like endearing about it, not having everything having like an NXT or WWE style build up to a giant payoff.
1: Yeah. I think um, speaking of that package thing, I think that that has been a noticeable shift for me the last couple of years where in the past you would see a lot of fans um, travel amongst the different groups to uh, attend the shows that they wanted to attend. And so they're crossing town, yada, yada. But what I've noticed lately is a lot of the fans that are going to the WrestleCon shows seem to be people that are just buying a package and staying there all day and kind of like, they're just for the experience of being around other people and they're not like necessarily like, and this isn't everybody, it's kind of a generalization, but it feels like they're not the most hardcore of the indie wrestling fans. And yeah. I've noticed that a lot of those people that we personally know and see and and you know, have been around they're kind of all just staying at gcw all day nowadays and that's like <laughs> the sort of the hotter like show you know package to be part of like those shows are a lot more lively even if they're not on paper as much quality all the time as some of the wrestlecon shows for whatever reason last year and this year these wrestlecon shows the crowds sucked they were like very dead in that globe theater and i don't get it because it's like that's the home of pwg there was a lot of great offerings yeah, and I guess we'll get into it here in a minute. But the impact at New Japan Show, it just felt dead to me. Like, and that's really unfortunate because the show was great.
0: Well, Josh, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, I was there last year in Dallas for Mania weekend, and I went to a lot of the WrestleCon shows. And yeah, it was different from you know New Orleans twenty eighteen, different from New York twenty nineteen. Like,
2: oh, was so good. Those
0: were so good. New Orleans good, was,
2: great. Uh, but- was good. <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah, the, those fans last year for WrestleCon, like, I'm sitting at the Super Show and it just, just didn't. The vibe was so weird, and like these great like indie guys are coming out, like Mike Bailey and Bandito and all these top guys, and like, it's just not quite getting the crowd reaction you think it would normally get based mm-hmm. off of the shows that we went to in the past in, in New Orleans and New York and Orlando and stuff like that. So yeah, that that WrestleCon package, and because now it's like part of like the session ticket thing, like. It's definitely a whole different audience than you would typically get in previous years. Mm, yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's the case. I guess uh, one thing I did want to talk about before we jump into things,
1: um, just recently found out that Bushwhacker Butch has passed away. Very sorry to hear about that. One of um, I, I don't want to say one of my favorite wrestlers, but someone that I think probably affected all of us as little kids watching, you know, the the Bushwhackers on WWF TV. But uh, Jeremy, you and I, we were at uh, trivia night, not uh, you know three, four years ago, something like actually, at this point, like maybe five or six years ago. I think it was like twenty seventeen. Yeah, with uh, and we got a chance to hang out with Bushwhacker Luke and tell him how much I appreciated his sh- uh, sheepherder matches, and got to tell stories about him and Jack Victory and them against the Fantastics and Crockett Cup. So, very sorry to hear about the passing of a uh, Bushwhacker Butch.
0: Yeah, our to his family.
1: Also, congratulations to Karen. I saw your post. Um, eight years at the same job, huh?
2: Yep. Today was my my eight, my celebration of my anniversary at work, and incidentally, it's also my parents' uh, wedding anniversary. <laughs> so it's a very nice. easy day for me to remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah. congratulations to them and to yourself. Thank you.
0: And Karen, we had a question here for you from one of our listeners, Bash. He said he hopes that you are fine and well. And wants to know if you're looking forward to the new Zelda game for the switch.
2: Oh gosh. I had like full disclosure. I haven't played a Zelda game since the like the you know, the old school Nintendo. like the very first one. I played the first one and the second one. and I have not played it since. Um, for me, game the games just came started coming out way too quickly for me to keep up. It's on my wish list of games I want, but I have to file my taxes first and see if it's in the (laughs) fund budget. (laughs) Or I'll just wait for it to go on sale.
0: Yeah. All right, let's uh, start talking about some New Japan stuff here. It is the first week of April, so we got to do our uh, Wrestler of the Month Match of the Month for March. Uh, So we'll start off here with the Wrestler of the Month. Going to go ahead and award it to the Cold Skull Sonata. I'll see a big month for him winning the New Japan Cup finally, um, you know, changing his look, joining just five guys, beating Naito, leaving LIJ. Had an awesome match with uh, Taichi in the beginning of the tournament. Um, really good final match uh, with David Finley. Um, you know, overall, I mean, pretty good tournament for Sonata. I mean, there are some other guys in the tournament that probably, from entering match quality, probably had a better month of him. Also, there was um, some other like tag matches that kind of stood out. But overall, this month was really all about Sonata, building him up, leaving LIJ, and getting him ready for this big Sakura Genesis main event.
1: Yeah, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention a few of the the close runner up. runners-up. Uh, Mark Davis was definitely in contention, Hiroki Goto, Kyle Fletcher, a few others. So uh, pretty good month, and congratulations to Sonata the match of the month and this was a close one it was between either this match or the fantastic Junior title match between Leo Rush and Hiromu ultimately we decided that this kind of kind of deserved the nod and we decided to go with um Bishamon versus the Mega Aces from the anniversary show so congratulations to those four men and uh the fantastic match that we all got to watch and witness.
0: Yeah, that was just an awesome tag match. Uh, if you guys have not seen that, I would definitely I recommend go back and watch that that tag match with the Mega Aces and uh, Bishamon from the, the anniversary show.
1: Quick question. It's a little early, obviously, for awards, but for me, the top two that stick out in my immediate memory are this one and the breakup of suzuki Goon. Between those two, what would you guys give the nod to right now?
0: For tag match of the year?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, Suzuki Goon broke up in December, didn't they?
1: It's in our grading period.
2: Okay, I, I'm I'm just making sure people have different <laughs> cycles. It's it's hard because one's exceptionally emotionally charged because Gun mm-hmm. has been around for so long, but it's kind of like they've done everything that they could have done together, and now it's better best that they go their separate ways and see what happens. Um, but you know, given the history be- that involving Bishamon versus Mega Aces, for me, it's 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 neck and neck. I can't. Pick one mm. or the other because for very different reasons. I I love a lot <laughs> of the people in both of those matches. So I'm like, oh, this has this, but then you know, it's like my scales are just like like waffling back and forth right now about it. That's why
1: I want to ask you guys because I really <laughs> don't know. So I'm like, uh, I don't know which one of these I like better.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I mean, it's
2: not yeah. just me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, if if with the we had a vote today and the ballot was out, I think I would probably go Mega Aces, Bishamon One, and Suzuki Gun Breakup Two.
1: I think I'd go Suzuki Gun Breakup. One just to spite you
2: so. <laughs> so then it falls to me no uh, I abstain
0: all right let's uh talk about um some of the stuff that went down Wrestlemania weekend um, oh man
1: so much went down are we gonna talk
0: about Cody not finishing the story <laughs> <laughs> no not, not not gonna talk about that um
2: just let it play out man <laughs>
0: The story the story is never over. Um, no, we're gonna talk about uh you know New Japan's show, uh Copenhort show with Impact Wrestling that had the multiverse united, only the strong survive, which aired on Thursday, March thirtieth, eight PM Pacific time, exclusively on Fight T V. Um, did, did we all see the show? I watched the show, I don't know about you guys.
2: I wrote a report for post on it, so yeah, I watched it.
0: Yes, and I, I also watched it too.
1: All right, cool. So, so far, we're on pace.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think we need to give, you know, full, you know, hole by whole breakdown for for this for these matches and shows. I'll run through the results. Then we can kind of get uh, our general thoughts and maybe just kind of anything that stood out from the show. Um, so the pre-show opened up. We had Yu Yu Amora defeating Gabriel Kidd at 7 minutes, 52 seconds. Then the pay-per-view opened up with the Impact X Division title scramble match. Trey Miguel successfully defended the title by defeating Clark Connors, Frankie Gazarian, Kevin Knight, Rich Juan, and our good friend Rocky Romero. Then we had Alex Coughlin, Sammy Callahan, Fred Rosser, and PCO defeating Eddie Edwards, Joe Hendry, J.R. Kratos, and Filthy Tom Waller. Jeff Cobb defeated Moose in 11 minutes, 51 seconds. Then we had an Impact Knockout to World Title number one contendership for the women's title four-way match. Diana Perazzo defeats Giselle Shaw, Masha and Mio Yamashita. Nine minutes and 20 seconds. Then we had the Impact World Tag Team title four-way match. As the Bullet Club team of Ace Austin and Chris Bay defeated Aussie Open, Motor City Machine Guns, and the TMDK team of Bad Dude, Tito, and Shane Hayes. Then we had Kushida defeating Leo Rush. 12 minutes, 42 seconds. Then the semi-main event was for the strong openweight title. Kenta defeated Suzuki, 15 minutes and 27 seconds to keep the strong title. And then the big main event was the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi, defeating speedball Mike Bailey, 15 minutes and 16 seconds. So we'll start with Karen. What was your overall thoughts, opinions uh, about this uh, multiverse show?
2: So, watching sac- uh, Impact Sacrifice the week before, I was sweating. This, the, the, because this, car- this card was very much card subject to change. First, mm-hmm. Osprey Speedball got canceled because Osprey had to drop out of the New Japan Cup. So, of course, Tanahashi steps in. Great. Literally, the week before at Impact Sacrifice, they, have, they had announced that Mickey James can't participate. She's not medically cleared. So, they have to you know, move that match to their next pay-per-view which is rebellion uh, two weeks from now and that they're going to make it a, keep the four way, but make it a number one contenders match. So whoever wins that match also goes to rebellion. And if Mickey's clear, she goes into that match and make it a three way. If not, Mickey surrenders the title to whoever wins the singles match. And then on top of that, Kushida's impact world championship match got thrown out the window. Cause Josh <laughs> Alexander tore his bicep or his tricep. So it was one of those things like the more changes that happened, I had I was cautiously optimistic, but also very concerned. Glad they took care of the people that had injuries. Glad they were able to make it up in different ways. But for me, like you know, talking about low stakes, no stakes, impact uh, with shows with with like stakes and impacts. No, no pun in- or pun intended. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this was a great introduction to New Japan and to Impact Wrestling for people that may not watch either, or is watches one but may not necessarily watch the other. Um, so like we were talking about, you know, it's a wrestling buffet. It's a little bit of everything for everyone. Um, I enjoyed the show. Uh, I had a great time with it. Um, what stood out to me the most was the Kushida versus Leo Rush. Which was probably my match of the night followed very closely by the, uh, t- tag team four way.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. Um, you know, I-, I have to agree with you. I thought Leo Rush versus Kushida was my match of the night as well. And going into the show, I was hearing mostly praise being uh, hoisted on the main event between Tanahashi and um, Mike Bailey, which I did think was good, no doubt. But uh, I, my expectations were a little bit higher going into the show just because of the reputation it had already like garnered before I even watched the event. And I was most impressed with Leo Rush and, and, um, and Kushida. Um, A couple things that I noticed, and I I hate to be nitpicky, but I do think that there were some issues here. Uh, First thing being, I thought this crowd was horrendous. Uh, I thought the show overall was very, very good, but the reactions from the crowd, and it almost feels like a curse from Impact. It's like you can take, you know, I don't know. I I was going to make a joke about taking the crowd out of Impact and putting the Impact in the crowd, but it didn't make sense. But (laughs) it doesn't matter if whether they're in you know, Tampa or Orlando or whatever part of Florida that they're in, or you go all the way to the other side of the country, the same general like feel and vibe of a indifferent crowd kind of still remains to be the same. And I'm not sure why that is like what, what the deal is. Uh, Cause I, I sort of expected more on a WrestleMania weekend where everyone's kind of a flying crowd and you know, you've got a lot of new Japan representation. So I felt like the hardcores would be there, and it just didn't come through. A um, couple things that also I noticed with the show is like the lighting and the presentation of the Globe Theater doesn't did not come across the way it looked like. For instance, I saw like photos like from photographers, and it's a beautiful venue, like and it it's looks stung. incredible. Yeah, and and every time I watch PWG in there, in there, it looks great. For whatever reason it was just really dimmed and you couldn't see much of what was going on there and it they might as well not been in the globe theater it didn't look or sound or feel like it and uh they continued to have persistent um like technology issues during this show not quite yeah. as bad as like what new japan has experienced with fight but it's like in in the middle of matches i can hear people in the crowd having personal conversations <laughs> coming through the the headrests and i'm i'm like i don't want to know about what's going on with these people and which wrestlers autographs they did or didn't get like why is that coming through
2: wow i didn't notice that
1: yeah it was like the
2: commentary sitting in the dark like they would cut to commentary for comments and there was like there was no like they're like like, on the stage but like there there's no front lighting i'm like why why are they like in the closet somewhere Why, why aren't they like if you're if you're gonna have like cuts to commentary you need to like commentary Right. It can't be they can't be backlit. It just it just didn't, it was not a very good visual.
0: Yeah, there's also points where you could like, hear the production guy like talking in the headsets too, like Yeah, right. you could hear them giving them instructions and stuff which was weird. And then there was also like
1: video delays and snafus and audio not syncing up. So some of that, you know. But at the end of the day, you could the, the wrestling presentation was still there. You could see what they were doing. Uh, I thought the guys and the girls that that wrestled this evening really went out there to put on an incredible show, but the crowd just wasn't receptive to it. Like, for instance, um, the the X division scramble match. I thought that that harkened so much so to like the old school WWN opener scramble matches that people yeah. always rave about on WrestleMania weekend, and they did a lot of the same stuff. That I mean, for instance, if you compare this to like say uh the five-way at nxt that got rave reviews which i thought was severely overhyped i thought this match was much more fluid much faster paced much more action-packed but it got killed on uh cage match i don't know what the deal is with that the crowd was non-reactive and i feel like it there's a little bit of a been there done that sort of attitude from the crowd it's like we're seeing the same stuff we've seen a million times and even though the show was good almost everything that was here. They they did exactly what you would have expected to. You could like literally you could have like gone to chat GBT and tell and asked them to like write out the the outcome of the matches and it would have basically been what we saw here.
2: I've got a question. Was it me or did the ringside look very? Is it a PWG PWG thing? The ringside area looks really really small. Like it didn't there there's much clearance from the the railing and the first row to the ringside. Like, it looked very compacts when people were diving out of the ring or doing you know no topes space. or flipping i'm just like you're gonna end in the third row and you haven't even you're gonna hit the balcony what are you doing like is it is it that small of a venue or is it just they just packed a lot of chairs in there
1: i think they pack a lot of chairs just okay. because that's that's sort of the vibe pwg usually does it that way and i think the, they don't
2: have any railings at pwg right it's usually just people standing like
1: i think in in the world <laughs> they do
2: okay it just looked really cramped for some compared to other previous venues that have run Russell content and stuff like that. It just looked really claustrophobic at times.
1: (laughs) The other thing too, is like a a lot of the matches to me, even though there were real stakes and there were real stories, they still just felt very house show showcasey sort of vibe. The only matches to me that really had uh, a gravity to them at all were like the, the final few matches like the one that we were talking about with leo rush and kushida that actually felt like it had a a re a rhyme and a reason to why it was happening and it was worked with a bit more seriousness same thing with kenta and suzuki even though i didn't love the match it still had more of a feeling like this is a different level than what we were seeing when like you know the tag match was great but it's like they're doing spots with, where everyone's giving each other headlocks and it's like WWE and Super Show sort of fodder. It's the same things that you see every WrestleMania weekend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, I mean, I pretty much uh, agree with you, Josh. Overall, yeah, I thought from in ring perspective, very good show. But yeah, like you mentioned, a lot of kind of production issues and snafus uh, throughout the show. You know, video packages wouldn't play or they would kind of cut out. Um, but yeah, the, the wrestling was was pretty good. Um, I I really enjoyed yeah Kushida and Leo Rush and. I thought it was kind of an added element of a story with Leo just facing Hiromu, which is one of Kushida's great rivalry, rivals. And they brought that up in commentary. So, and Leo's, you know, questing for that junior title, you know, Kushida such a great junior champion. So that kind of felt like the winner of that could be like next in line, potentially for Hiromu after the Robbie Eagles match. Um, The tag team match was uh, a lot of fun, but again, they were doing some cool stuff and not, a ton of crowd reaction and plus the crowd wasn't really mic'd up that great either. So even if they were reacting, you probably, we probably wouldn't have heard them all that well anyway. Um, Does anybody know
1: what happened between this show with Tanahashi's teeth and then the ring of honor show, because he had teeth during the Mike Bailey match. And then the next day he didn't have teeth again. And I'm like, what's happening here?
2: So as you know, he, his front four teeth are all false. Okada kicked kicked him out years ago. And uh, when he, you know, got called out by Okada for their match, he had, he has like a a temporary bridge and -hmm. it had fallen out. And last week before he came over to the States, he recorded his podcast and he says like, I have an appointment with my dentist after I get back from the United States. I just need these teeth to stay in until I get back from the United States. And then he decided to bite into an apple.
1: Oh, oh. and
2: the apple took his teeth out
1: <laughs> okay so until he head? gets what his happened?
2: his teeth fixed it's like tanahashi needs to be on soft foods only and like not like if it's if it has anything stronger than a piece of paper just don't <laughs> <laughs> so yeah tanahashi's oh and two against the apple and other hard foods
1: one last thing i, I do want to say um I, well actually two things i I hated the finish of the Kenta Suzuki match where Kenta yeah. gave him a low blow. And I got to tell you, um, not really feeling the Kenta strong title reign at all. In fact, not really feeling the strong title period at this point without there being a New Japan strong week in and week out just being, feels, uh, you know, pointless to me at this point. But um, besides that, this show just in general was fun, but I'm starting to get the feeling most of the time when it comes to new i love that new japan's doing cross promotion with different groups and everything but almost every single cross promotional show except for maybe last year's forbidden door and even that had some issues most of the time they just feel kind of pointless in their execution like they sort of just feel like uh non-canon excursion shows like they're almost just basically hyped up produce shows that really have no purpose other than just making money Mm -hmm. and i always feel i always get left feeling uh disappointed by the outcomes like the execute in on paper they look great but in execution i'm always just like "Eh, i don't know I'd, i'd rather just watch new japan like i don't i don't need this really if it's not going to have any stakes or have any real purpose beyond just being a fun show you know what i mean
2: i think the other hard part is that when they took away the taping part of new japan strong it it kind of like you said it's like you can have the pay-per-view but now you have no build-up to any of the pay-per-views here in the states it's either it's done on social media or it's done in japan and then brought over here or it's just like what local wrestlers can we bring in for this great show? And, right. Like, mm-hmm, yeah. But and then the, the other problem is, and this is a problem. And I say this with love because I, you know, I want to believe that new Japan has our best interests at heart. When this was originally launched, it was supposed to be the, we're not going to run shows concurrent with the international shows. So, you know, fans can have the best of both worlds. And it's been very rare where they don't have a show running in Japan and a show running at internationally at the same time. So you don't get the whole roster anymore. Mm-hmm. Like the pre-pandemic era, they would send everybody and their mother. You'd get all your young lions, you'd have the entire rings like all the ring announcers and referees. And now it's like we get like a referee that's like on excursion. Yeah. A <laughs> ring out and that's yeah. that's like a local guy that, you know, does a great job. But like at WrestleCom they barely used him. And it's and he's bilingual, so I don't know why they didn't just use him for just the like the entire show. So it's it's one of those things where I'm just like I feel like there's a bit of a backpedal and like, mm. new Japan strong doesn't feel as special as it, it, it used to.
0: Right. I mean, again, you know, we're talking back previous WrestleMania weekends, like new Japan pro wrestling was a big deal and a big part of those weekends. Like I remember like New Orleans 2018, like it was a big deal that like Suzuki and Ishii and Tanahashi were a part of WrestleCon. you could meet them, get their autograph. Yeah. And then they were you know, a part of the super show. They're a part of super card of honor and it They're felt on Rev like, Pro. like yeah. they
2: had all these shows, yeah.
0: Ishii and Sabre at Rev Pro, like, it felt like a really big deal. And then, obviously, 2019, you had Madison Square Garden G1 supercard, like that was a huge deal. Like New Japan in the garden, in you know, WWE's backyard, in there on their weekend, having this sold out show. You know, you had IWGP title match, you know, J.Y. White and Tanahashi, uh, or
2: there, yeah. there was a never match. Assuming, there was a yeah. IWGP tag match. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff going on.
0: Yeah, it's it actually uh, JY and Okada and then Tanahashi and Saber for the Red Pro. Like there was so many great stuff on that show, and it just felt again like big New Japan weekend. All these New Japan fans were in town. New Japan felt like a really big deal. And also, I know a pandemic happened, but since then, like they just been really kind of having a hard time, really kind of getting back to what they were in America. And the AW stuff that has helped. But even in that situation, they still feel like the, you know, little bro to AEW when they're doing these cross promotions and forbidden door situations.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess we should jump into some of the other mania ongoings. Um, I'll kind of just run through it. So Bloodsport ran on March 30th. uh, That's Bloodsport Nine. And we had a lot of New Japan representation. Jeff Cobb defeated Calder McCall, six minutes and four seconds. Uh, Koto Bushi defeated Mike Bailey, six minutes and 54, six, 54 seconds. Bad Dutito defeated Yuya Uemura, five minutes and eight seconds. Harry Smith defeated JR Kratos, 10 minutes and 59. Johnny Bloodsport defeated Royce Isaacs. John Moxley defeated outs Coughlin. And then in the main event, Timothy Thatcher defeated Josh Barnett. We did have a question here from ethnic underscore dystopian. They said, Did you see Bloodsport Nine? And if so, how do you think the NJPW relate related
0: talent performed? Karen, did you see uh, Bloodsport?
2: Of course I did. I start. That was my first mania show of this year. Was watching Bloodsport. You know, making a charcuterie plate and pouring some wine and enjoying it. I I always enjoy Bloodsport because in recent years there's always been one or two New Japan adjacent or New Japan strong or New Japan New Japan guys on these shows, and it's kind of like one of those. Since we haven't had Rev Pro in the United States the past few years, Bloodsport's been kind of like the the surrogate where they, they've been able to put them on a, a a slightly different brand of wrestling i personally enjoyed it i think the new japan guys that were on it some of them surprised me i i loved seeing different sides of everyone i enjoyed seeing you know alex Coglin wrestle someone that isn't jr kratos for the 18th time <laughs> uh loved seeing Umar in there with bad dude tito oh can't get enough of jeff cobb but it, it, and of course i love me some timothy thatcher i know he's a noah guy but it was it was great to see him in so if i think of Bloodsport, thatcher's one of the first names that has always popped up for me so i, think I really enjoyed with, the show
1: i think even noah are done
2: oh they're finished i think so bummer i liked i liked him in Su- sugi Uragoon, but that's all right
1: yeah uh enjoyed the show wasn't my favorite blood sport of all time um but i overall it was a a good quality um you know obviously kota is no longer with us but seeing him making make his return and have uh what i thought was the standout match of the well one of the standout matches of the evening with mike bailey at just under seven minutes they they really went balls to the wall and had a a really fun spectacle showcase in a you know shoot style sort of environment um really loved the uh moxley and alex Coughlin match i thought alex Coughlin had an incredible showing for himself and Mm -hmm. i think john moxley continues it's so bizarre because he's a guy who in my estimation is one of the least proficient quote unquote shooters of anybody that's on these shows but he gets what should make these shows like uh entertaining more so than a lot of the you know shoot style guys or you know i guess self-styled shoot style guys and his matches just always stand out and they're always pretty much the the highlight of the event and this did not disappoint whatsoever i thought that that was really 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 blow away and um everybody else did really great i think um even though i didn't love the uh royce isaacs match with johnny Bloodsport, i thought he, I thought Isaac's looked really good. I thought Cobb looked great. Yeah, it was good. It was a, and a really easy watch. I mean, the whole thing, there's so many matches and it clocks in under two hours. I mean, it's a it's a no-brainer. There's nothing that's aside from the main event, nothing went
0: over ten minutes. So super short event. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh Bloodsport Nine. It also was the first show that I watched uh during WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, overall, really good show. Bloodsport's always definitely one of the, the more unique and kind of standout shows um, every WrestleMania weekend. Um, and for me, you know, like I said, Josh, it was a, a easy watch, but I do think there maybe there is one too many matches, and not because the show is long, and we talked about this off-air, Josh. I just feel like there are some people on the show that are not fully great at the Bloodsport style, and so you have a lot of guys doing some of the similar spots because they're, they're, they're doing the few, like, shoot-style moves that they know how to do. So you end up with a ton of guys doing a like, triangle choke spot, arm bar spot, like the powerbomb out the triangle spot, which it's all fine. But if you're watching, like, ten matches of that, like, all happening back-to-back, like, you got to mix it up. But overall, really fun show, like you mentioned, Kota Ibushi, Speedball Mike Bailey. Really fun matchup. Glad to see Kota Ibushi back. You know he's you know kind of down to uh, cruiserweight classic size right now because he hasn't been able to to lift weights to the shoulder injury. But he still looked uh, really good. Um, yeah, Coglin looked great in there. John Moxley. I thought that was a great like star making performance for him and got him some respect uh, for the weekend. And um, you know a little handshake of Moxley after the match. Who knows? Maybe we'll see some some uh, Blackpool Combat Club crossover versus the LA Dojo. We, we kind of saw some of that. Uh, Happening with Ring of Honor Uh, So maybe that will kind of spill over that With that storyline of Mox and Coughlin And yeah, the main event, Thatcher and Barnett Was really, really good And it it felt like a really big deal Considering, you know, Josh Barnett is the namesake for the show He hadn't been defeated in the history of the show And so for Thatcher to get that big uh, submission victory It felt like a really big deal yeah, he's rarely ever
1: even lost in pro wrestling. Period. <laughs> so getting a clean job over him, especially in this sort of environment, is a, a really big deal. Um, I, I, we talk about this off the air, and I I try to find the most concise way to kind of explain it. So, like in the '90s, when shoot style was at its you know zenith, essentially, you had UWFI rings and PWFG as like the primary groups running, and they all had a different spin on what shoot style should be but the thing that unified all of them was that they were comprised of pro wrestlers who weren't pro wrestlers first and foremost they were all formally trained in martial arts and yeah we didn't know what mixed martial arts would fully look like at that point in time but they did a really compelling job of presenting shoot style wrestling in a way to where it really looked real and you believed it was real and if you go back and you watch this stuff if you have a discerning a a discerning eye like you can tell it's not real but it's a far cry from pro wrestling you know what i mean Mm -hmm. these guys even the ones who are very trained in different martial arts like for instance catch wrestling great harry smith incredible wrestler and an incredible fighter But he doesn't quite understand how to meld the two together to like create a really compelling quasi-MMA product. And in fact, I would say almost none of these guys do except maybe Josh Barnett. So what that basically leaves you with, because none of these guys are doing shoot-style wrestlings every single day, training it in the gym, and that's their whole life, none of them are proficient at it. So at that point, instead of trying to redo uwfi they need to basically be working a real psychological pro wrestling match in the style of mma which is it sounds similar to what i was just saying but it, there is a differentiation the guys who know how to do this in my opinion are mox filthy tom waller simon grim these are guys who understand easily how to take the stylings of an mma you know fight and turn it into a pro wrestling match A lot of the rest of the guys on these shows just don't know how to do that they don't understand how to tell a compelling pro wrestling story within the confines of the rule set and that's my biggest gripe with it there's a lot of guys that like i don't know i just don't think that they're putting that much thought or effort into the show they're showing up day of figuring out a couple things they're going to do they get their time and then they just kind of try to go out there and roll and you know i don't know I feel like if, if this was a showcase show, I'd probably do more. I thought Kodobushi and and uh, Speedball, they did a good job of what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. I did love Yumura uh, doing a uh, tope without the ropes. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> In his match. <laughs> he, did, he did a lope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a
1: couple other uh, things, and I'll just run through them. WrestleCon Super Show was on the 30th. Blake Christian defeated Michael Oku uh we had a tag team match with special enforcer enforcer ken shamrock brian keith and kenta defeated christopher daniels and tom Lawler. ultimo dragon defeated negro casas the United empire trio of jeff cobb and aussie open defeated time machine um, later that same evening at for the culture myron reed defeated kevin knight and man like de reese um, and then the next day was ring of honor super card of honor which is probably the biggest show of the weekend outside of wrestlemania jeff cobb defeated tracy williams on the undercard hiroshi tanahashi defeated daniel garcia um there was a ring of honor world tag team titled reach for the sky ladder match and the lucha brothers defeated uh top flight the kingdom aussie open and la Faction and gobernable as well as the Ring of Honor Pure title uh, changed hands as Katsuri Shibata defeated Wheeler Yuta. We did have a couple questions about this. Um, Rambo and Slam Pig said, did you guys see Shibata's win for Supercard of Honor? How did it feel to see the wrestler holding gold again? Does it still seem strange that he's working more for Tony Khan than NJPW? And Bash said, what were your favorite matches with NJPW talent this Mania weekend?
0: Karen, let you go first?
2: Um i love i don't think i've ever seen because i got i was late to the Katsuyori shibata train so i've never seen him win a title in real time i started in 2017 just after he had gotten injured and wasn't around anymore so uh it was very emotional for me and i and i i am a huge fan of the pure title i know some people think it's like watching paint dry but i enjoy it i like i like the rule set um i feel like If New Japan right now doesn't have a place to showcase Jabata, why not let him moonlight somewhere else? Mm -hmm. And if AEW slash Ring of Honor wants to give that honor to him and they have the space to showcase him in a safe, controlled environment with medical attention readily available in the event that something happens, not that I want it to, knock on wood, um, then yeah, sure, fine, whatever. As long as he's living his best life and having a good time and doing it safely, sure.
0: My thing though is it, it, it Shibata. There, there should be room to highlight him in New Japan, especially having this miraculous comeback, this life-threatening injury, and uh, you know, being able to just walk and breathe as a miracle. And now he's back in the ring wrestling again. So it does seem kind of weird that they wouldn't capitalize on that. Somebody who's so popular in Japan, like you would think that there'd be some kind of even a story of him maybe trying to challenge Okada again, like something to do with him there. But I, I am glad that he is wrestling again and that um, he's being utilized somewhere. Um, I think the, the pure style of matchup w- works great for him um, and something that he could probably, you know, bring some attention on. like you Karen, I do enjoy uh pure wrestling. Also, I just think it, it has to be the right guys. I, it's kind of like, yeah. it's kind of like blood sport where if you don't have, the Guys who know how to work the, the pure style, it doesn't always work out well. Like, you know, when you put throw in like Brian Danielson and Nigel McGinnis, who Nigel McGinnis was on, on commentary for the show Back of Ring of Honor, you know, guys like that really knew how to work the, the pure style, get the most out of the rope breaks, and uh, really make it, made it exciting. But I thought this match with uh, Wheel Utah was really good. I mean, essentially, it was just uh, it was kind of a glorified squash. as a bit, I mean, Chibata. Was in control of most of the matchup. Utah got a little bit of, uh, of a comeback, but then uh, Shibata was able to kind of put him away.
1: Yeah, um, I, I probably lean a little bit closer to your feelings and sentiments about it, Jeremy. I just um, I, I'm a, I'm all for um, Shibata working in the states if he wants to, and you know, there's other companies that are willing to utilize his talents. That's fine. But at this point, if he's going to be having full fledged matches. To me, it felt like a waste for his very first match to be on short notice on a Friday night for Rampage against Orange Cassidy in a loss. And his, that's his first real, true, real match back with like unlimited moves. And we didn't know about it. And it probably, honestly, should have been something that they capitalized off of and marketed and New Japan profited in some way. And I'm sure that they have some sort of arrangement with aw but um it just feels strange to me that he's almost at this point gonna have more matches outside of new japan since he returned than in new japan and i don't know what the disconnect is why they're not using him but they are but he is resigned and they are letting him work in other places even the most recent one like in december he was in japan he worked a showcase match with filthy is there no way to get him on the dome show at all like there's that's not something that would draw fans i don't know
2: it kind of gives me the feeling like how wwe handed handled the brian danielson thing where Mm -hmm. he was able to get cleared but they weren't comfortable right because they you know especially after he had gone off book in his narita match and decided it's a full-fledged match when that wasn't what was previously discussed it's 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 the maybe they're playing it a little too safe maybe they're just trying to see how he has a couple of matches abroad before you know throwing him onto a dominion or throwing him into you know would i love to see him go against Sabre jr for that that tv title yeah sure but i feel like they're playing it safe for a reason right now so maybe they're just letting him get back into a rhythm before they make a big move like a bigger show or a program in japan
1: I mean, at the same time, it is double edged. He's he wants to compete. He feels he's capable of, of, you know, still going out there and competing. And he's doing that. And that's his dream. So yeah. you can't really fault the guy for it. So I oh, I'm i not faulting him
2: for it. But oh, I, feel like- I don't mean, I don't mean
1: you specifically <laughs> oh, <I just> mean, <laughs> okay. uh, like a general term. But um, I don't personally, I'm not personally that invested in it. I mean, it was really cool to see him win the title. I thought the match with Wheeler Utah with Wheeler Uta was really great but I'm not that invested in it personally because I want to see him work in Japan against New Japan talent and I'm not saying it needs to be head drop city but I I just don't get why we can't get him working over here I I just don't have that much investment to see what to watch him wrestle Orange Cassidy or Wheeler Utah if you want to line him up and put him in there with Brian Danielson go ahead a, a dream matches I'm all for that but that's that's where I see Shibata to me he's not an upper mid card killer, he's a main eventer, and I want to see him wrestle guys like that. You know, that's just how I feel.
0: Yeah, they, they did tease a Blackpool Combat Club maybe against Shibata and Eddie Kingston at the end of the show, and Wheel Utah did beat like Clark Connors and I think maybe uh, Coglin on the build up to this matchup. So mm-hmm. it seems like there might be like this LA Dojo, Blackpool Combat Club kind of crossover that we'll probably see play out on ROH TV. Which could be cool, but I agree with you, Josh. I do think he should be facing the Brian Danielsons, the John Moxley's. You know, they're really tippy top. You know, Kenny Omega, you know, they're the really top guys in AEW right now.
1: One thing worth noting before we move on um, during the media call before the show, and I didn't listen to it, I heard the second hand, but Tony Khan had confirmed that had Will Osprey not been injured, he would have been on the show and the match was going to be him versus Kanosuke Takeshita. So we missed out on a Will Osprey versus Takeshta match, which probably probably would have been the match of the weekend. I'm I'm just guessing. Yeah, that
0: would have been absolutely incredible.
2: I don't know. Him versus Speedball could have also been another one. That's
0: true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we missed out on a lot of Osprey. <laughs> um, I mean, I
1: guess on a it's not really what we cover, but I heard that the Yuki Uno match against uh, Takeshta at the DDT show was like really really fantastic, and I didn't hear too many people talk about it outside of like the hardcores
0: mm. so uh bachelor asked about you know our favorite new japan match with mania new japan talent mania weekend match
1: mm, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, I don't know what do you what were your guys favorites <laughs> uh
2: i still lean towards kushida versus leo rush um yeah. that would probably be my top pick a lot of a lot of the other matches they were fun they were fun, and they were great showcase right. matches, but I still enjoyed the not that 9 title match more than Shibata versus Wheeler Yuta.
1: For me, it would either be that or Alex Coglin against John Moxley at Bloodsport. Those would probably be my that was top a good one picks. too.
0: Yeah, I think Coglin versus Mox is yeah my top pick. It's only you know, six minutes and thirty-one seconds, but it was started awesome. The
1: headbutts like it got awesome at the end.
0: Yeah. All right. So oh.
1: Let's, yeah, never mind. I, we can move on. What are you gonna say? <laughs> I just like the match. I was gonna talk about other spots I like, but it's fine.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, how about I make that the, the recommended match, the excursion match, and you can talk about it next week. No, that's all right. We already covered
1: it. <laughs> it's done. Okay.
0: All right, well let's uh move on now to what's going on in Japan. We got Sakura Genesis coming up. We had uh two Row 2 shows, uh, one on April 2nd The other one on today, April 3rd Both from Corken Hall We'll run through uh, these results right here And kind of talk about uh, some of the story elements That happened on these shows And moving forward into the big Sakura Genesis show uh, So the April 2nd show opened up with Togi Makabe and Tomio Kahanma Defeating Oscar Lube and Yota, Yuta, Yuto Nakashima We had Bushi, Hiro Takahashi and Tetsuya Naito Defeating El Fantasmo, Gato and Taiji Shimori the House of Torture took on Strong Style and Ray Oiwa, which was a double countout. And because of that double countout, that led to Strong Style challenging House of Torture to a no-countout match for the following night. Then we had the United Empire team of Great Okan, Kyle Fletcher, and Mark Davis, defeating Goto, Toriano, and Yoshihashi. Then TMDK, Kosei Vegeta, Robbie Eagles, and Zack Sabre Jr., defeating Oleg Bolton, in his debut match, he was teaming with Ritsuka Taguchi and Shota Umino. And with some questions here. First from MJ does PR is that Bolton boy has quite the frame on him, doesn't he? What do you think a chop from that guy feels like? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll start. So in full disclosure,
1: here's what happened. Earlier today, I started to watch this show on like 2x speed. And I was like, oh, there's no English. That's great. That's not going to help me um and I was you know following it along and then I got literally to this match and I was like oh wait it's the first match with Robbie back in TMDK it's old Bolton's like you know uh first match I need to pay attention and I was like I am so wiped out Mm -hmm. from WrestleMania weekend I cannot watch this like I don't have the mental capacity to give this the attention it deserves so I was like I'm just gonna shut this off <laughs> so i ha- i have not seen anything up to this match but i will i do plan on getting to it but i will tell you this a chop from that guy it can't be it can't be nice because um I- i've taken chops and they are literally my least favorite part of pro wrestling period like they they fucking suck so bad <laughs> i hate them and let's say he he gives it to you the right way it's going to hurt so bad. And if he gives it to you the wrong way, it's going to hurt even worse. (laughs) And a guy his size, there's no way his frame, his muscular frame, like there's no way that that doesn't feel like just a a million like paper cuts going through your chest. It's gotta, it's gotta suck so bad.
0: Yeah. That's like, you know, Gunther level, like chop power there, like hits you. And you see the pictures he used to have in those shirts where like he'd slap somebody. Like you just sit, their chest kind of like waving with the force of his chop. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> um, he also asked, if you were coaching him, what film study would you recommend?
1: Brock Lesnar. I'd make him watch Brock Lesnar, period. I don't even know if I could think of anyone else right off Walter. the top of my head. Yeah, make maybe him Walter. Watch Walter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah make a much more. oh my god if, if if he was just like literally like a composite of the best aspects of walter and the best aspects of brock lesnar dear god throw, <laughs> th- throw in a little bit of ishii put the belt on them
2: put all the belts on him, give him the that tag hard- belts the trios but I, all of them just, give him that hardcore yes. holly
0: give him the belt and beat everybody <laughs> Uh, but yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, Brock, Brock would be my number one. Yeah, watch all all kinds of Brock Lesnar. Just especially that that O two run where he was just like crushing dudes. Like, yeah. Um. Then he says, uh, "Can Karen comment on Oleg's Japanese and whether she thinks this will get him out of the black trunks any faster?"
2: So I wasn't able to watch either of the shows in full detail either, even at two point two or two point zero speed. But I did. When I saw that question, I went and watched his backstage promo. I don't know how long he's been living in Japan, but he remi- his, his Japanese, for somebody who's probably been there only a few years, is fairly, fairly easy to listen to and does make a lot of sense. I feel like he either is in a great homestay or he's found himself a Japanese girlfriend or a Japanese family's adopted him or he's, spending, like, he's living with Nagata. I don't know. But <laughs> compared to other <laughs> foreign talents that have gone over there multiple times or live over there for an extended period of time, his command of Japanese is very good. I was like, I was like man, even my Japanese is worse. like I was getting jealous listening to him, like how confident he was speaking because that's the other thing it's not as it's not his first language so i i give him all the gold stars like 28 stars he did amazing
1: he's been training in japan since the early 2010s
2: okay yeah so he's been there for it close to at least 10 years yeah he's actually probably, probably lived there longer than i have then
1: and so. he attended yamanashi university and yeah they, he, he was considered one of their strongest foreign students before he joined team bushi road so it, 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 he has. He's. It's not like a recent thing for him at all. Yeah,
2: and Yamanashi isn't exactly the. uh the. It's not a metropolitan area like you know your Tokyos or your Osakas where there's plenty of foreigners and foreign support. So he, he basically did like a, an immersion homestay or a, like you know study abroad program. So that's awesome for him. I love that for him.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that that will help him um in his progress in New Japan. That might yeah help speed things up. He's speaking the language. He can. Communicate with the the, uh, the audience, the fan base, than just with his size and power. Like he has a lot of tools that could help him get over very quickly.
2: I just I they would. don't take that away from him because you know usually mm. if, should he be turn heel, the
0: they the default to setting to the yeah. heels is
2: they only speak English or insert your native mother tongue here. And I he his Japanese is actually really good, so I would hate for them to take that away from him. It could make him stand out and be a different foreign wrestler for a change.
1: I literally thought that they were going to have him continue to wear the singlet and have this delineation between no gay trained dojo wrestlers and team like Bushi Road, you know, athletes. Eugene
2: Goddess Project. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know, and and have that differentiation, but apparently not. They had him still come out in the traditional black trunks, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't know much about Japanese, but it, he
0: sounded fluent it, to me. He was
2: very <laughs> fluid and very confident, which is great to
0: hear. Another question here from uh, Adam on Twitter says Oleg Bolton looked like a million bucks on Sunday. How long do you think he has before he's challenging for titles? Do you think they'll fast track an excursion for him? If so, where do you think he'd fit best?
1: I don't know. That's a really interesting question. It's pretty rare that uh you know, foreign talents come in and go through the dojo system, and then also have an excursion. I mean, they did do that, obviously, for, like, Jay White, and that was, like, an exception to the rule, but they didn't really do it for, like, Dave Finley. They didn't do it for Juice. And, you know, there's a few other guys I can probably think of. Like, I don't think uh, Finn Balor, I don't think he really went on excursion or anything like that uh, when he came in. Or did he even go through the dojo system? I think he did. I, I think Carl. he did. Carl Anderson never went uh, abroad, so I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting in that way.
2: Going to Japan is usually their excursions. So. That's their
1: excursion, yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if they would fast track him to an excursion. I mean, they may if they're gonna like start, you know, fast pacing him on anything. Uh, maybe they would make him work either go to New Japan Strong or come on to some of the international shows. Provi- but that again, that also depends on his visa status. Like how, you know, not being a a Japanese citizen or I don't know what citizenship is, but or what have you. Um, If they were to send him on an excursion. If he could easily go to the UK and fit in great there, he could fit in the United States. I don't know if they would send him to Mexico.
1: I don't I don't or New
2: Zealand, maybe. I don't know.
1: As an older guy who's already like, um, I don't know. exactly. Sorry. I can I don't look have it up. <laughs> um, he's born in 93, so he's 30. Okay. And when I say, I don't mean old. I just mean older in terms of his athletic prime.
2: Compared he's to the already, rest of the young lions? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, he's wrestled around the world. He has a, He's from Kazakhstan. He's got life experience. He's yeah. world-traveled. It, I don't think this is a person that needs to go learn how to do lucha libre or work holds in uh, Great Britain. If you want my honest opinion, if they're ready to put him on a quote unquote excursion, yeah, maybe. If you want to give him to Shibata, that would probably be great. But what I would do, just my personal opinion, I would just take him out of the the Lion system entirely when you're ready, and just send him around Japan. Send him to like all the other systems that are around and put him in tag matches and protect him. Let it be known that he is like a graduate and have him work untelevised, you know, house show matches and work tag matches and work with legends and and you know top talent from, you know, veterans from around the country. And then when you're ready to like bring him back, bring him back and give him the big push.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he he needs, you know, a, a big long trip to Mexico or the UK or even the US. I don't really think that any of that's really going to benefit him at the stage that he's at. I think yeah, you keep him in that that Dojo system, you keep him working with the guys that he's working with right now, and then, you know, you pull um, a, a challenge series out, give him like a, a trial challenge series, and then graduate him and just have him go on from there. Um, so, after that, we had uh, just five guys, Doki, Sonata, Taichi, Taka, and Kanamaru. They defeated the Chaos team of Okada, Ishiyo, Master Wato, and Tiger Mask, and just five guys. They had a uh, new music and they had a new entrance. They actually came through the crowd, so uh, it's probably gonna be a little bit of issue with them and show to Umino because you know <laughs> that was that was Umino's special thing. Uh, but yeah, they came out of the crowd and did their little their little thumb <laughs> hand signal, thumbs in, I, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kissing thumbs. Um, but it's yeah.
2: cute, but like men in their late 30s, early 40s <laughs> don't really should. <shit. laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's silly.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kanamaru had new gear, new tights, new uh, ring jacket. Uh, he looked really good, and he ended up getting the, the win for his team here uh, in this matchup by uh, paying Master Wato. And also, there was a ton of interactions between Sonata and Okada, Sonata leaving Okada lying uh, towards the, the end of the match there. So, Sonata with a little bit of momentum. ...going into the title match, and then the main event of this show was for the KOPW Provisional 2023 title. It was the ultimate triad match, so that was the match stipulation where you had to get a pinfall submission and 10-count knockout... ...in order to uh, defeat your opponent, and the dragon, Shingo Takagi, retained his Provisional KOPW title, defeating Aaron Hanare 38 minutes... And 15 Whew. seconds <laughs> Karen what do you think about this match
2: <laughs> I started watching it and then I looked at the show notes and I was like 38 minutes I love Shingo I love Hanari I could not do 38 minutes with a Wrestlemania hangover so I'll go back and watch it but yeah it sounded like a good time I just didn't have 40 minutes to give rapt attention to it
1: I haven't watched this yet obviously it's 38 minutes and it was one of my fears when they said that the match you had to win it by knocking your opponent out and pinning them and submitting them i'm like that sounds like a recipe for a really really long match other or you're gonna have to do a bunch of like chicanery to like do a bunch of like survivor series style like finishes very in in quick succession to get a short match and it's going to be a little bit unbelievable if they go that way obviously i don't i don't i'm a little unspoiled here i do know that shingo won and it went almost 40 minutes but i will say 45 votes on cage match 9.11 sounds like they might have knocked it out of the park i don't know jeremy did you see this match yeah
0: i watched the match and so i like you guys i was watching like the undercard stuff faster pace and then I got to Shingo and Aaron Henare and I like I was feeling to go, but then I went on Cage Match and Saw I was like, Oh, this match has a, a nine rating. Oh like I need to like rewind, I need to like actually like pay attention to this match and watch it. And yeah, I, I thought the match was awesome and the Cork and Hall crowd helped and they it was, was a ton of energy behind the matchup and you know, it was like we talked about last week when Shingo's in these, you know, wrestling style stipulation matchups. He, he does great, and it was very similar to The the Tai Chi uh, Last man standing type of matchup they did um, A few months ago, and I thought Aaron Hanare looked really Great, I thought it was a breakout Singles match for him um, They worked a match great Hanare uh, was working over Shingo's midsection uh, Majority of the matchup There, and he was able to uh, Get the, the Ultima Submission on Shingo to get his first Submission there, and then Shingo got the, the that ground Cobra to get his submission. Um, and then he later on did a, a backslide to get his pinfall. Hanare did the Streets of Rage to get his pinfall. Um, and then towards the end, uh, Shingo was able to get the uh, the 10-count knockout on uh, Aaron Hanare. But they brawled all throughout Cork and Hall. Hanare bashing Shingo's head against the East sign up in the crowds. Like, Hanare looked like the man. Like, he, he hung in there with Shingo shingo killed it it's definitely like a great match to check out
1: so basically hanara has had the two best matches of his career in short order against shingo yes <laughs> okay yeah i mean i i saw some reviews that were kind of i saw one review that was like this went long for the sake of going long and is overhyped and then i saw someone called a match of the year contender so there's a, a wide variety of opinions on this i do want to check it out um I plan to probably tomorrow but uh i did see post match that shingo was uh bringing up that there are a lot of opponents on his radar for the upcoming forbidden door and he brought up brian danielson he brought up claudio castagnoli he brought up uh guys from impact as well and you know he pretty much was like yeah there's a lot of champions out there guys that i'd like to fight so you know, KOPW wants to prove that his uh, blue belt's not just a paper title.
2: <laughs> it's a Velcro title.
1: <laughs> I hate the Velcro belt so much, Same.
2: But
1: I like this belt better than the cookie cutter strong belt, at least.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a question here from TG TG TJG eight nine. I'm fairly new to actively following NJPW. I find myself drawn to Shingo, but I've heard some comments from you guys last few weeks on limitations you see. Can you elaborate on those and maybe some examples of matches that might show them? Oh, what did we say? So we, we were <laughs> <are you> <laughs> we were talking about um, him. We and We were K- high when we did that show. <laughs> I don't even remember.
2: I wasn't even here.
0: <laughs> we were talking about him and KOPW situations where when he's in the more gimmicky KOPW matches, Those don't always work out in his his strengths. But, I mean, overall, Shingo is phenomenal. He's, you know, my 1A, 1B favorite wrestler in New Japan right now. Um, He's incredible. Yeah, if I were to
1: audit this podcast, one thing that we tend to do, which is not great, sometimes we speak to insidery because oftentimes it's a conversation just between me and Jeremy, and we don't always take into account that not everyone listening is, as aware of the product and and some of the details as much as we are so we'll just say things that we just assume everybody knows exactly what we're talking about That's not always the case um Shingo is one of in my opinion a top 20 all-time wrestler that has ever lived and ever competed period Mm -hmm. and I think he's one of the absolute best wrestlers in New Japan and just wrestling in general today. When we were talking about limitations, we weren't saying that he can't, that there are things he can't do. We were just saying that they have put him in uh, stipulation matches that are not conducive to a classically good wrestler. Like, they put him in a, uh, like an amateur, what what were some of the matches that they put him in that were weird? They put him in a Uh, a quasi-karate match.
0: Yeah, with Great Ocon, Uh, the MMA rules, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, a match like Case Owens. What was the other one? It was a match with Chase Owens. I forget what the the stipulation was. Oh, God, I don't remember either. Basically, just to kind of simplify it, the
1: KOPW title is a title where each match is contested under a different stipulation. And when they've had stipulations that suck, the matches suck. And when they have stipulations that are great, he knocks it out of the park because he is great. That's pretty much it. That's long and short of it. So sorry if we gave you any indication that he was anything other than an all time great hall of fame level wrestler.
2: <laughs> I would go in the opposite direction and say, if you're newer to new Japan and you want to know about the complete scope of his ability, check out his never open weight championship run. Yes. Um, because he had some really great matches. He had that one with Tanahashi. He even finally, his, I'm, you know, I'm going to bring it back to show his, uh, loss to show in their match at dominion was good. Um, and if you are more curious about how wacky and wild the king of pro wrestling can get, chase up Yano's uh, reign—very long, yeah. long reign. There's <laughs> yeah. a wide variety of fun to be had.
1: Yeah, I mean, but and yeah. if you if you're not aware, during the pandemic, there was a nine month period where Shingo Takagi was the world champion and basically the yeah. ace of the brand and carried the entire company on his back and had the best match. He was our wrestler of the year. So, um, also, I mean, you could always check out his junior run during the best of the super juniors where he's just a juggernaut destroying everybody in his past. Yes. Yeah. That's fun too. Yeah. 2019. Yes.
0: 2019 <laughs> yes. just, All the yes. Yeah. Destroying that block in the awesome finals against Will Ospreay, which is us. so I watched that match like three times <laughs> when, <laughs> when, it, when it happened. If,
1: if you haven't seen Shingo in New Japan, the top two series we could probably recommend would either be his multiple great matches against Tomohiro Ishii or his multiple great matches against Will Ospreay. Those primarily stand out as probably being his two best opponents in the company all the yeah. time.
0: And I agree with Karen too on that Tanahashi never Tile match. I love that match so much. It made me write a column like that. <laughs> <love> it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> It spoke to you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it was a great matchup. Uh, so then, moving on to uh, today's show from Korokin, April third, we had uh, Hanare and Great Okan defeating Lube and Tomohiro Ishii. Post match, uh, Ishii was getting into a fight with United Empire, so maybe we'll get something going there. Maybe Ishii versus Okan for the the Red Pro title. Maybe uh, then we had uh, Master Wato, Tiger Mask, and Yo defeating Doki Taka and Kanamaru from Just Five Guys. Then we had Taguchi, Umino and Toriyano defeating ELP Gato and Taiji Ishimori. Uh, post-match ELP grabbed a sign That a fan made that said ELP Fifth Bullet Club leader and he was kind of Staring at it so again planting Seeds for, for things to come there Did um, you see the back of it? I did not see the back, I only saw at the front What the back say? It,
2: it had ELP's logo And Finley's logo Side by side and said which is the next
1: leader mm. Ooh <laughs> Feels like the 2025 Election or what What year is the next Election <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 2024? 2024, <laughs> yeah, the 2024
0: <laughs> election. <laughs> uh, then, uh, after that, we had Jeff Cobb and Aussie Open defeating uh Bishamon Tomioka Hanma. Aussie Open hitting the Coriolis on Hanma. Then we had the LIJ team of Hiromi Shingo and Naito defeating TMDK's Kosei Fujita, Robbie Eagles, and Zach Sabre Jr., Naito getting a Boston Crab on uh, Fujita. And this was all building up the, the Robbie Eagles-Hiromu matchup. They had some great uh, interactions in the match. And also post-match, Shingo and Saber went face-to-face with both of their titles. Also, yeah, Shingo's KOPW and and Saber is the uh, TV champion. And they've had great matches in the past. So maybe we'll get some kind of matchup with them in the future. Uh, then the semi-main event, we had the Mega Aces defeating just five guys, Sonata and Taichi. Tanahashi got a uh, roll-up on Taichi, Kind of a flash pin there. Uh, but post-match not I did have Okada laid out once again. So it's not a standing uh strong second night in the row going into this world title matchup. Sus. <laughs> uh and then the big main event for this night was the never open weight six-man tag team title. No count out match and team strong style, El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Ren Narita defeated House of Tortures Evil Show in Udro. To retain the titles, this was a wild, crazy brawl, all up and down, corking with the, the no count-out rule. Dick Togo was out there wearing one of the Despy masks that they stole uh, from them getting involved in the match, uh, but it was a wild, crazy brawl. Desperado ended up hitting the uh, numero dos, or the, excuse me, the Pinche Loco on show to uh, get the win for his team uh we had a question here from okay okay 890.
1: one quick thing during the post match did you see that renderita called out okada
0: i did not see that
1: yeah not only did he mention that they're gonna continue to uh defend the six-man titles but he mentioned okada now he wants a crack at okada
0: mm. interesting <laughs>
2: suzuki was in the backstage was like you sure about that <laughs> do you know what you're doing do you know what you want from okada
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh question from okay okay 890 says not relevant to njpw but is the bloodline just a more competent house of torture
1: uh i would say no <laughs> tactically oranges i think the only the only thing that they have in common is they both cheat to win all their matches but i mean other than that there's not a lot really to i mean one's a draw one's not <laughs>
0: One's a main event act
1: <laughs> one's at the top of the entire wrestling industry. And one is not even at the top of their own company. Like, you know, I don't know. They're not the same thing at
0: all. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, now let's talk about uh, the main uh, show coming up this weekend. The main Sakura Genesis card uh, coming up uh, a lot of big matches on the card. Uh, Opening the show is going to be a uh, mystery six man tag team match. Um, this is as a part to uh, celebrate uh, the 50th anniversary of a is it TVSI's anniversary.
2: Uh, it's the 50th anniversary of them broadcasting uh, New Japan programming, apparently.
0: Nice. And so they're going to be doing a, a mystery vortex uh, kind of thing here where we're not going to know until the night of. And people's music play. who's going to be in the six man tag so
1: it's gonna do you be- guys know what
0: the deal is with that
2: so for those who don't watch uh shinichi champion which is basically the new japan tv show if you feel, if you scroll through new japan world near the bottom there's like a the variety tv program that all the wrestlers are on um the woman who hosts it is a tv asahi television tv announcer she does like the news and stuff like that but she also hosts the show it's been going on for like three and a half years now and every 6 months there's a for all the variety of tv programming there's always a a fan vote and whichever program of the like the top 10 programs that gets the number 1 spot gets a very big budget to have a very big special show well for the first time they finally got the number 1 spot they got a trophy they got those the, they recorded the the special event but part of that tv programming it was like a two part thing uh mitani the uh the girl who's the announcer she goes to the new japan office to talk to obari and he's like we want you to produce a match for sakura genesis as part of the celebration of the 50th anniversary between uh tv asahi and new japan and basically said well and she's like well if i'm going to do it i want to be able to uh pick a like pick like something that's off the wall and and not just like Hauntai and Chaos teaming up against Bullet Club and LIJ. She, want, she wanted to do something fun. And he said, all right, well, put together your, your match proposal and we'll take a look at it and see what we can accommodate. But so it seems to be they had six silhouettes in the match graphic. So it's looking like possibly three on three. But which three from which factions? We don't know.
0: Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see who ends up in that matchup. So beyond that,
1: when New Japan first launched in 1972, they did actually air their very first show um, on Net TV, but it was like a one-off special. Like they weren't, they didn't actually have a distribution deal with any. And Net TV is TV Asahi. For those of you that don't know, uh, they didn't have a distribution deal with Net TV or any other television provider at that point, and they actually had to persist for over a year as just a live events touring company and a lot of people were predicting their downfall like they were going to go out of business essentially uh because they they didn't have television and the first major show that they did which actually started their their official broadcast television partnership with tv acai which has persisted since 1973 was the uh the world's strongest tag team match and it was a tag team match between antonio noki and seiji sagaguchi who had just jumped from uh jwp and he was like the number two guy over there so he jumped as like one of the absolute biggest stars in japan at the time to take on carl gotch and Luthes in like an all-time dream match essentially and uh, it's one of the few like major matches that we have tape of carl gotch in new Japan competing. And um, yeah, it's one of like the most famous matches in new Japan history. They went 44 minutes essentially, and it did huge TV ratings and they've been doing television together for 50 years ever since then.
0: Nice. So yeah, looking forward to seeing who's going to end up in this mystery matchup should be a fun way to open up the show. Um, Two notes that I I forgot about the road to shows. We did have a video package from uh, Kevin Knight and Kushida uh Kushida teaching uh, Kevin Knight in Japanese and then It's
2: so cute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they got their team name. They're now the Jet Setters and uh, they will be coming to Japan. They want the IWGP junior tag team championships and issue the challenge to catch two two. So we'll probably be seeing that sometime in the future. And also we had the continued uh, video package of the mystery person, uh, the alien, the whatever is landing, something's coming. Uh, to New Japan, so they, they continue to air those vignettes, so maybe that guy will be in this mystery matchup, maybe Jet Setters will be in this mystery matchup, who knows we'll see. Karen, who do you think is the uh, the globe video person?
2: It always makes, like one, I love that it's like, like, designed like an old Godzilla tokusatsu type of monster movie, where it's like it's Armageddon slash oh my god, something's gonna crash into the planet uh, I always feel that these packages are too to reveal the return of a young lion from excursion—that's always my my gut reaction. Because now that you think about it, Suji and Uemura have been here w- over two years or close to two years at this point. It hmm. might be time for one of them to go home. I just don't know if they're ready to do it that soon. Because you know, with with travel opening and more and more people coming back, like more of the foreign talent coming back to Japan, they're running out of space for people. Yeah. Not exactly like letting people go. <laughs> mm-hmm. If they let them go, they let them go to the United States to work at impact and AEW and the Indies, but then you always come back. Um, so my heart is telling me it's Uemura. My gut is telling me it's Suji.
1: You said it's like a monster movie video.
2: Yeah. Like, like if you were to watch like a, like, kaiju?
1: Like,
2: yeah, a kaiju film, basically.
1: What if it's Bill Goldberg?
2: Oh, God, what? no. <laughs> Ew.
1: Bro, what if it's Bill Goldberg? <laughs>
2: Bro, no. Don't kill my vibe.
1: <laughs> I mean, I never really thought of those videos as being monster movies, but once you said that, I'm like, oh, he is if, a free If that's agent. the
2: case, it's me. I'm going to be. I'm coming soon. I'm going soon. This is the last time you're going to see me as Karen. I'm going to come back at something much, much scarier.
1: I'm down for a Bill Goldberg versus Okada match.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> What would that match even look like? Five stars?
2: <laughs> Okada would be... I don't know if Okada could carry him to a five-star match.
0: Okada can, Okada
1: can carry any. Okada can carry me to a five-star match. Okada's the greatest.
0: <laughs> 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 so, uh, following that mystery matchup, uh, the show will open up with uh, United Empire's Aaron Hanare, Francisco Akira, and Jeff Cobb versus the House of Tortures evil show in Udro. No really storyline implications there that can really see of. So just a six-man opener. Uh, then following that, we'll have Bushi, Shingo Takagi, and Tetsuya Naito taking on Doki, Taichi, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru from Just Five Guys. Uh, know the history with, with Shingo and Taichi and Shingo and Naito. Um, so that will be reignited there. Um, then we have the Bullet Club team of David Finley, El Fantasmo, and Kenta Versus Hikaleo, Tamatanga, and Master Wato, And we have a question here from Rambo and Slam Pig. It says, El Tasmo and Dave Finley are on the same side of a six-man match with Tamatanga and Hikaleo on the other side. I sense an angle incoming. Do you have a preference on who stays and who goes if a Bullet Club eviction is incoming? I would like to see a babyface ELP. I'm
1: okay with it being a babyface ELP. But I kind of feel like him being the leader of Bullet Club would be pretty cool. At the same time, David Finley might need it more. I don't know.
2: We are on, after Sacro Genesis, we will be on the road to the 10th anniversary of Bullet Club at Dontaku in May. So it'll be, we're, we're, we're gearing up for lots of Bullet Club matches getting set up in the next month or so after this. But for me, it's like I want Bullet Club to kick out House of Torture at this point. I want <laughs> that, that was the, the fallout I've been waiting for for over a year now. That it was either going to be Tama kicking out evil, Jay kicking out evil, somebody kicking out evil, and them dissolving and being picked up other places. But
1: if- what about the rogue army? How do you feel about them?
2: Oh, Folly & Co.?
1: Yeah, what's your, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Lyberd Lucci? <laughs> That's can't. what I want to know.
2: <laughs> I, I have no idea of whom you speak, sir. He's, so I, he's
1: a Bullet Club legend. That's who he is. Lyberd well, Lucci. Of the Rogue Army branch of the uh, Bullet Club.
2: Obviously, I am not as... I, I, I have a very limited knowledge of the depth and scope of all of Bullet Club.
1: Uh, all right. Well, then what about Caveman Ugg? How do you want him to... I want to. What? What? Do you, how do you think he feels about the exodus of Jay White, Caveman Ugg?
2: I think Caveman Ugg will be fine. <laughs> Caveman Ugg is probably watching Raw after Mania right now, trying to figure out if if we're gonna get uh Jaime Blanco, the the the, the, the butter knife bastard, to come out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god uh, Well if you, you want to learn more about Caveman Ugg and Library Lucci Josh did do a solo episode uh, This past weekend Reviewing Oh yeah we
1: uh, didn't we didn't plug my shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> Reviewing uh,
1: nice segue.
0: Tamashi uh, 3 and 4 uh, So he did a solo show Reviewing those shows uh, Feature yeah the, the bull Club Rogue Army uh, Growing as the uh, Bad Luck Fale Runs things in the oceanic region
1: yeah they're awesome that rogue army (laughs) I'll
0: I'll take your um
1: (laughs) yeah I think the 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 ship is kind of sailed with the whole house of. I mean because when when evil was like a factor in the leadership you know equation of bull club there was something there with him and Jay and then they never capitalized on it and I think now that's just he's firmly in mid-card status they're kind of just, I don't they're know. Like who the weird, knows.
2: They're like the weird cousins of the family. Like they like they yeah. they don't they don't want to invite them to like the family gatherings, but you know, they always send the invite and they'll show up with they feel like it. So I don't know. I, I want I just want something more for them that's not house of torture. I want it to go away.
1: I will say this. There's a lot of people out there that are really like New Japan content creators and, and you know, people that are in the know that feel very strongly that they need to pay homage to, like, the Bullet Club for their 10th year anniversary. There's people writing articles and doing, you know, series and specials. Jeremy, I'm not doing anything. (laughs) I'm not doing shit for the Bullet Club 10-year. I don't care whatsoever about Bullet Club's 10-year anniversary because, to me, it's just a shell of a shell of a shell of a shell at this point. I I think it's going to be interesting. I am invested in this story with – elp and david finley but i just i'm not into the lore of the bullet club at this point like i don't want to rehash kenny omega and cody rhodes at this point like i don't care <laughs> you know what I mean? can i
2: give you guys a spicy take
1: yeah what's that
2: i feel like they need to dissolve both chaos and bullet club
1: oh you're speaking our a, language do,
2: and do and do a draft same a thing draft? With a draft
1: like like WWE style. No, well, star, like stardom style. Like stardom.
2: Pick pick like, like, like stardom draft. <laughs> pick give like three guys each their own faction, and they gotta pick team members. I, I need mm. I need some people to feel fresh.
1: I yeah I don't care about chaos or Bullet Club at this point, and I I think we've kind of echoed those same sentiments on this show multiple times. Like, I have no investment in either brand. I don't care. Like, they clearly don't care. <laughs> like. Why do we care still? Except yeah. for the fact that they sell a lot of t-shirts.
0: I'm on that, um, That uh, what's his face? Uh, with, I'm on that Jato. So what? I don't care. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you want to know what my other hot take is? Hmm. I'd be fine if LIJ broke up at this point too. Mm.
2: Yeah. Throw, throw them in the draft.
1: Like we're, we're freshening things up. Let's move on. It's a youth movement. It's the new generation
2: Give us the book, Ghetto. We'll make you some money.
0: <laughs> All right, First order of action, Shingo's getting his own faction. Hence, dissolving awesome. oh, yeah. L.A.J. <laughs> Dragon Goon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this uh, ELP Finley, uh, there's probably definitely going to be some kind of angle. Obviously, throughout this to tour, ELP has been you know, saying he wants to be the leader, that he's next in line for being the leader. Um, and obviously, Finley wants a spot, so I think We'll probably get a definitive who's actually taking over the club from this Kenta. matchup. Maybe Kenta. Let Kenta, let Kenta take over. <laughs> My opinion on this: I think God and Wato,
1: the Tai team, will probably win here, deepening the rift between uh, the various camps within Bullet Club. I think we'll see a quasi angle. I don't think we're going to see the big, the big angle that people are thinking is going to happen. I know it's a big show, but I think they're
0: going to save that for the anniversary. Yeah, maybe it will end up being Finley versus ELP at Dontaku. Winner gets leadership.
2: Bullet Club. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow, it's almost like you watch this show, Jeremy. <laughs> that that's a
1: that's a keen observation. I bet you that happens. <laughs>
0: So uh, following that matchup It gets into uh, the meat of this show Gets several title matches uh, So first we'll have the NJPW World Television Title match As the champion, the front man Of TMDK Zach Sabre Jr. Will take on the roughneck Shota Umino We know that Shota earned this title match By defeating Zach In the New Japan Cup A couple of weeks ago uh, the big story there is he did not beat him in under 15 minutes, though.
1: Um,
0: I would be personally very surprised if Shota Umino
1: beat Zack Sabre Jr. within the 15-minute time limit. I don't know that I love... I love Zach being the champion and everything like that, but I don't love the idea that he's modern-day... William Regal from WCW in 1993 like I don't know if I need every match to be this you know is he going to go to the limit sort of thing the only saving grace is they haven't done any um too many time limit draws which was like a staple of William Regal's TV title reign but they tease it a lot and they go very near the 15 minute limit I was kind of hoping this would really be like a high speed belt like what we see in stardom and it really hasn't been that Mm -hmm. aside from that though Obviously, there's been a lot of ups and downs with the Shota Umino experiment so far. And I'm hoping that this will be a positive step in the in the right direction for his career trajectory, win or loss. That's kind of what I'm looking for from
0: here. Cause obviously
1: like Zach's great. And I think him and Shota Umino could go out there and really have a great
0: match, but uh, it's gonna kind of fall on them to deliver. What do you think, Karen? Who's walking away with the belt?
2: I feel like Zach has a lot. I wish they would give him more free because it's only 15 minutes. I want him to be defending the belt with a little more frequency. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I feel like he's just gaining momentum and he like, this is his thing now. So as much as I want showed to win it, I, I don't think he's going to, I don't think it's his time just yet.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think that Zach's either going to retain by just winning, or it's going to go the fifteen minute uh, draw since you know their previous match went you know over twenty minutes. Um, yeah, I think Zach is just on momentum right now. You know TMDK, they're really building up that that uh, faction, adding in Robbie Eagles, a lot of momentum behind Zach. I do think maybe Umino or one of these other younger guys will eventually. Beat Zach, but I think you want to build Zach up some more, get some you know prestige behind that TV title. And I agree; I would like to see more defenses. You know, typically, traditionally TV titles, you, you would see a defense like every week. And I know that also with New Japan on the, their tour schedule, it's not a weekly TV show. But I think you know on the, on some of these road two shows, you, you can throw in a uh, Zach for some you know somebody random just to get some more defenses.
2: I I could see him keeping the belt either to dominion or just after and then losing it by the g1 so then he could be in the conversation to win the g1 like he should have been for a couple of years now
1: i um i don't have any inclination that anyone's beating him anytime soon until they really convince me by giving us a very compelling title challenge program you yeah. know and to me what that looks like is probably one of these guys that he's already beaten coming back to reclaim their victory whether that be Show to umino or Ren narita it could be somebody else but as of now there's no one in the the waiting that i'm like they're the next guy on deck so i mean i don't even see a reason why zach couldn't hypothetically hold this for a prolonged period because you know i personally don't see him as being someone that's going to win the g1 personally
2: let ishimori go after him with it that would be cool you want a, you want a high speed match. You put him in there with Ishimori or Kanemaru.
0: I don't know. The last time Ishimori had a belt, there was like two defenses for in a year. Right. Well,
2: <laughs> that's on the Booker. If I were in charge, he'd be a lot his his dance card would be a lot more full.
1: I agree. I'd also feel sometimes like he's sort of uninspired, and maybe he needs a fresh new challenge, not just the same opponents in the same division. For years on end. And multiple reigns of
2: the same belt.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that that could be something fresh, challenging, and something that could be inspiring for a guy like him.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we're all going, Zach, for this match. Uh, Next we have the... We're going chalk. (laughs) The uh, IWGP heavyweight tag team title match. The champions, Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi, Will defend against United Empire's Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. I'm gonna make it very simple. We're getting new champions.
1: They've had a fantastic reign. They've really established themselves as the flag bearers of this division, speaking of Bishamon. And there's not much more for them to prove. They could continue to have a great reign, of course. But it just feels like the right time. They've been building up Aussie Open for a while now. I think it would be the fresh thing to do on a big show like this. I think we're seeing new champions.
0: What you got, Karen?
2: Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Sorry, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think uh, Aussie Open are going to win the tag titles. These guys have been... On an incredible roll lately, uh, they were all over the place. WrestleMania weekend, um, in the Impact tag title match and the Ring of Honor tag title match, and uh, so yeah, finally getting the big opportunity. You're saying they had
1: two world title
0: match challenges and they failed both times. So, but it, it, losers, was right? it was multi man. It was multi man. They didn't, you know, take the fall in either match. If, if you're not first, you're last, Jeremy. You would know that if you <laughs> saw the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Okay, <laughs> losers. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's uh it's gonna be mono a motto here with uh, Aussie Open and Bishamon. and you know Bishamon beat Aussie Open back uh, in the World Tag League to get to the Tag League finals, um so I, yeah I think now it's it's Aussie Open's time. Um they've built up a ton of momentum. They're one of the best tag teams in pro wrestling today. Um so yeah I think now is the time to uh, flip the belts and give them a run.
1: I'll tell you this much.
0: If this match is under four
1: stars, I'll be very surprised. I think regardless of who wins, they're going to tear the house
0: down. Yeah, it's going to be a great matchup. So then following that, we will have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. The ticking time bomb, Hiromu Takahashi will defend against our good friend, Robbie Eagles, now a member of TMDK, leaving chaos, joining the fact that he was tired of being skipped over uh, by Yo and Leo Rush, so jump ship, join Zack Sabre Jr. in the gang with TMDK, and he's now getting this towel shot here against Romu. Jeremy,
1: since you have checked out the undercard matches for, well, I guess Karen, you've seen some of it too, so I could ask both you guys, what have you noticed about Robbie and his, aside from the obviously I've seen some pictures, and he's got new gear that's in line with the tmdk colors but is there any discernible differences with his presentation his moveset his attitude anything what 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 are your impressions
2: he i mean tmdk is you know chaos adjacent in the sense that you know right mikey nichols is still listed as part of chaos in certain parts <laughs> of the japan websites so it's kind of like he just said I, I I need space to spread my wings as it were. And if I'm going to do that, I might as well go with, you know, it, it, it's much, it's very much like Sonata leaving LIJ, just kind of more of an Irish exit or an Aussie exit in this example, where he just kind of decides to up and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, But he's not being any more or less heelish. He's just, he's just smiley Robbie Eagles.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Presentation for the most part, still pretty the same, still a lot of the same maneuvers, uh, I think probably the one thing that was probably a little bit more quote-unquote heelish, and he was doing his uh, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie chant. He had, like, his foot on, a like, Haramu's neck and was doing the... <laughs>
2: well, there's that.
0: <laughs> the Robbie, 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 but the, the the crowd was still cheering for him, and they were doing the call and response with him, um, and he was still doing a lot of his high-flying maneuvers, still trying to do the, the Ron Miller special. So um, as of right now, maybe in this matchup, there'll be some some different stuff, but in the On Those Road 2 shows, it was still a very similar, uh, you know, moveset presentation. Well, um i haven't checked any of
1: that out i want to see it um, obviously there's a simmering story that they've done a great job on commentary sort of highlighting that through uh hiromu's title reign he's had title challenges against other chaos uh junior members and yo and then leo rush and that's kind of an impetus for robbie eagles jumping to dmdk his frustration with sort of being on the back burner and being third in line with the group and why he sort of made that move um we on this podcast we put out a tweet uh earlier this year how there really hasn't been a prolonged junior title reign since actually since her first title reign in like 2015. you know it's been going on for a while now where every time someone wins the belt they get one or two defenses and then it's hot potato and it's been a very long time since someone had a lengthy, established, full of defenses reign. And on January 4th, that's what Hiromu said his goal for the year was to break the all-time title defense record, which means he would need 12 successful consecutive defenses, which the way that they book juniors in this company, that would be that's going to take a long time unless they – give him a couple extra defenses on like us shows or something of that nature so I guess the real question is do we think that with a gimmick change and a big move the way that they've just done that with Robbie is that the sure tail sign that they're getting ready to move the title over to him and he is a former champion he's a guy that people are behind he's very popular and I I could see that happening but I'm kind of feeling personally like this story about Hiromu defending the title 12 times straight I think it's going to come to pass I think it's transpiring before our eyes I don't think as many members of the media have caught on to it the way this podcast has but I think that's what's happening and I think that like if they didn't put the title on Leo Rush I won't be surprised if they go with Robbie but I don't think they are I think we're seeing another legendary title defense in what's going to be essentially Hiromu's legacy-defining run with the belt, the thing that puts him in the same conversation with your Tiger masks, your Ligers, and your Fujinamis. He's going to be this generation's version of that, and I think he needs this run to break Heat's title reign record.
2: That's the tricky thing is that he's already he's already won the championship five times. Right. He hasn't necessarily had long reigns with him, but he's he broke the record for I think the greatest number of like up, like winning the title number of times. I think five was like the the, the wall he needed to scale.
1: He's no, also I think the- Liger's got more still.
2: Does he? Okay. Um,
1: I think Liger has like eight. I could I'll check.
2: That I mean that would make sense. Uh, but he's also the the returning and defending best the super juniors mm-hmm. winner. I don't think they're going to take right. the like if we. If, I don't think they're going to take the belt off of him with like six weeks before Best of Super Juniors, because usually Hiro was one of the guys that you they depend on to be in the main event of a lot of these matches or the semi-main or to really hype up people. Um, I feel like if they were to take the belt off of him before that, it might derail his like not necessarily like his momentum, but the momentum for the Super Junior tournament as a whole because people have very high expectations for him as they always do. Uh. As much as I would love to see Robbie have a like have the championship, and I ha- I want Robbie to get the championship eventually and have more than two defenses with it. He was another right. one that was like he he got it very briefly and then it got hot potatoed back to like either Ishimori or Hiromu, and I'm like, but why? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if they're you know they let Hiromu like cr- craft his Super Junior tournament last month, it, it's it's some or his uh Super Junior show. I feel like they have something special with Hiromu. I could easily see him keeping the championship until the dome, or at least to break that success, like successive record, whether he starts doing double duty where it's like, all right, I'll defend it here. And then I'll go to the States, defend it on one of the shows there. And I'll come back and I'll defend it again. Like every two weeks, he's having a defense. Um, the problem is, is, that within new Japan in Japan, the pool of available juniors that aren't going to get tied up in the tag title run is also where it gets tricky because then you have to make sure that you're not having that overlap of possible double champ champ situations where one like a tag member of a tag team is trying to go for the title as well, right? Um, but if they start shipping him back and forth, you know, do it, do do a Tanahashi where he goes, he flies in for the weekend, does a show, does a defense, and then goes back home, sure. They just The hard thing about that is they got to make sure that it's not on a weekend where New Japan's running a show in Japan because when he's not on shows in Japan, he's another one that fans will sell their tickets and be upset that he's not on the show. So it, it's 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 very tricky like game of risk they're playing with him. Um, but as much as I would love Robbie to get the belt, I could see not it ending in like I don't think they would let go 60 minutes. <laughs> so I can't say, oh, time limit draw and then he'll try again later. Um, but I think that Robbie will definitely give a run for his money, but it may have to wait till at least after Super Juniors and or Dominion before we see the title change.
1: So real quick before we get your thoughts, Jeremy, I'm not sure what New Japan considers officially the the record for IWGP Junior Title reigns because
0: yeah.
1: um, Liger now his it's either 10 or 11 all-time okay. title reign, so it's a lot <laughs> but um in his last title reign during his 10th reign there was a one-week period where he lost the title on nitro to hubetsu guerrera and that was not um signed off on by new japan pro wrestling Ooh. and then they had to get the title back onto liger for an un- like a- an 11th reign and i know for years new japan just ignored the hoovitude reign entirely but I think they might have retconned it at this point so he's either a 10 or 11 time champion so Hiromu's not even close to that record but realistically I don't think anyone's ever gonna hold that title that many times
0: yeah
2: if they keep hot potatoing it you never know
0: (laughs) you never know but I I yeah still (laughs) Yeah, and, uh, you know, Karen, I thought you you, you brought up a great point as far as the the time of the year for the result of this matchup. Like, I definitely agree with you, Josh, on the whole story that we've been talking about with the the number of defenses. I do think they're going to let that story uh, play out this year. But also, too, like Karen mentioned, that the timing uh, of the year, you got best of Super Juniors that will be happening in May. Like you mentioned, Hiromu is the guy that you usually main event, whatever block he's in For those shows now we have seen Tournaments where he's not the champion He's still main event Main eventing but then exactly The the champions not main eventing and that looks weird And so I would hate for Robbie to win this belt And then go into super juniors And he's like semi main eventing Middle of the card As a champion instead of Main eventing tour Um, So I think from a just a timing standpoint With a schedule it makes it more sense for Hiromu just to retain. And plus the champion is, it's unlikely for a champion to actually win a tournament and we don't need to see Hiromu win again. So have him go in there with the belt. He can main event, whatever, you know, a block, B block, whatever block he's in, get close to the finals, not get to the finals, not win it. And he can be the champion. You set up another defense there. Hey, maybe you have Robbie, even have Robbie win the tournament to get the rematch, who knows, uh, but, yeah, I definitely think Hiromu is going to win here and go into Super Juniors as champion. Yeah. Well, I'm, oh, Over sorry.
2: Ahead. But No, that, that was what I said. Like, you know, Robbie could easily be in the conversation to win the Super Juniors if he wasn't challenging right now.
0: <laughs> right
1: now, correct. Because
2: <laughs> there's, there's – I mean, there is Taku but, you know, why have him try like, twice in the span of two months? So,
1: yeah. I think – And, I mean, I don't know. This is just my gut instinct. I think that regardless of who wins this match, um, and this is all still pretty early conjecture, but whoever wins Super Junior is not winning the title unless it's Desperado. Like, my guess, just based on New Japan's booking, if Desperado wins Super Juniors, he has a very good shot at being the guy that turns around and wins the title.
2: Do you think they'll let him be in Super Junior as a never open weight uh, six man though? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. because it's never it's open weight.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: I think anybody else that wins the the tournament, regardless of whether the champion at the time is Robbie or Hiromu, it's going to be an elevation situation where by winning the tournament they're elevated, and then they lose in a great match and defeat. That would be the booking. But my suspicion is is going to win. He's going to go into the tournament as the champion and either be in the finals and lose or be one of the block finalists and lose. But I think he'll lose a couple key losses to uh, talent from across. Like, I'm thinking they're probably going to bring in people from Impact, maybe a name from AEW, and probably various names from Japanese indies like, you know, L Lindeman, for example, people like that, and I think we'll see him lose a couple key losses that set up his next few title defenses. You know, just in general, and I think that a, a lot of what we saw at All Star Junior um, Festival was a key indicator of what guys might be on the docket to be in that tournament, anyways.
2: Please bring moxa into Best of the Super Juniors, oh, please, and thank you.
1: Yeah, and Ellen cool. Min,
2: bring bring him back.
0: Junior Hayato. Woo! Let's yeah, go. that'd be cool. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, from the uh, impact side of things, I would love uh, Speedball to get in there this year. I think that'd be a great addition. Speedball'd be cool, but I think they're kind of gearing him up
1: for like more of like a main event style run. I would, I w- I'm not going to be surprised if he's a world title contender in the very near future, or even holder. I think that it's more likely we're going to see the guys from the bull club, like Chris Bay
0: or and Ace Austin. Yeah, Ace Austin. Austin. Yeah. So yeah, so we're all going here, Hiromu retaining the title. That takes us to our next title match. For also, also, before we talk about that, how ridiculous
1: is it? There's Bullet Club Impact, there's Bullet Club Australia, there's Bullet Club House of Torture, and then there's a Fractured Bullet Club in New Japan. Just saying. <laughs> Dissolve it all. <laughs> we don't need this. <laughs>
0: Uh, so next matchup here we'll talk about is for the IWGP Women's Title happening in a three way match. The champion Mercedes Monet will be taking on Hazuki and Azumi.
1: I am so sick and tired of hearing of the outrage from the you know the Mercedes fans about the fact that this isn't going on last. Okay, the internet's been blowing up over this. <laughs> Oh, wait, there's been no outrage whatsoever. There's been no attention from any of her fans about the fact that this isn't going on last. It's almost like they don't actually care that this match is happening in Japan. They only care when it's a show in the U.S. that's during their time that they can watch. You know? It's weird. It's weird, bro. It's weird. I thought I thought she was a bigger star than Okada. I mean, where's the outrage? mm <laughs> I don't get it. It's weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. My nice dance have been uh, quiet on this one. What? Are, oh, they're called the Sasha crew. Isn't that the name? Well, well, they're, they're my- with a K. <laughs> yeah. What's up, crew? Why aren't
1: you guys freaking out? I thought you guys, I thought this was your girl. You know, you guys aren't going to be tuning in to New Japan world at, at 2 a.m. to watch this? No?
2: All right. <laughs> this is why we're friends, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> You're my anger interpreter.
0: (laughs) So, uh, Karen, what are are your thoughts on this one?
2: So where do I even begin with this one? Very much like Mercedes being announced at the Tokyo Dome a month before she was supposed to be at the Tokyo Dome. Or not announced. It was leaked that she was going to be in Japan, whatever. A couple of weeks ago, while they were in Yamaguchi at Mayu uh, Iwatani's home, home prefecture, Mayu basically called next on whoever wins the show wins this match between hazuki and azumi and mercedes which spiraled from mercedes calling out azumi at wrestle kingdom azumi finally answering prior to the cinderella tournament and azumi, or Hazuki saying hey you and i have a match first round of the cinderella tournament i i don't like cinderella to stuff bleeding over into new japan i don't want new japan booking to affect stardom and vice versa i want that to be like separate if you want to call next that's fine but don't like make it overly complicated it just started to feel like very conflated over conflated booking um both azumi and hazuki are high speed i think mercedes might have bit off a little more than she could chew if anybody saw the the video of uh, Azumi choosing to take Hazuki out of the tournament by doing a La Mystica off the ring apron to the floor, and Mercedes having like giant like oh my gosh eyes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's worth chasing up that match. It was a good match, but it's one of those things where because Mayu Iwatani has called next for Stardom's biggest show of the the year that isn't Grand Queen or Russell Queendom at the end of the uh, Russell Queendom Dream Queendom at the end of the year they they want that, she wants the match at Yokohama Arena at All Star Grand Queendom in two weeks. I don't see Mercedes dropping the belt to either of them just for them to challenge Mayu, who lol, Mayu wins everything. So it's probably going to be Mercedes wins here and then she drops the belt to Mayu and then she's done. That's where I'm, that's where I'm at right now with everything.
0: Yeah. Uh, Got I think Josh you. muted himself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, my bad. Yeah, I thought I unmuted myself, and I was like, ah, uh, you know. But anyways, uh, I don't have as much obviously insight to the stardom side of things. I can't speak to that as eloquently as uh, Karen has. But the one thing that has really caught my attention was, for a long time before this match even happened, it was pretty much well established and known that it was going to be Azumi versus Mercedes Monet. And then when they announced the match, all of a sudden, Hazuki was involved in it. And I'm not opposed to that. You know, I, I think it's great that both of those uh, ladies are getting um, featured here in this contest, but it really calls into the question why it even happened in the first place. And I, I really kind of only see it one of a few different ways. It's either like um, potentially Mercedes is dropping the title in short order I don't think that should happen, but there is the possibility that they're trying to do the whole, she's dropping the belt, so they need a, a fall girl to come in and protect her. Yep. And that's the reason why they might have made it a triple threat. And so that could be a big red flag if that's the case.
2: Hazu- the- or sorry, Azumi is the high-speed champion as well. So, And her next mm. event is after this match.
1: So she might not be able to take a, a loss to Mercedes. So, you know. Or even, you know what, that might also be the case. Maybe she's not dropping the title at all, but she can't. But because of the politics of it all, she also can't cleanly defeat the high-speed champions. They need Hazuki to come in and eat the loss. Yeah. Um, The other reason could be as great of a talent as Sasha is. And we have always said how fantastic of a wrestler she is. She clearly is not probably, and this is conjecture, but I've never, I've watched her whole career. I've never seen anything out of her that uh, compares to what those high speed girls are capable of doing. Maybe she just can't do that style with the Zumi and they kind of need a buffer in there for the Japanese audience. And, and Hazuki is the perfect foil. And that's that might also be the reason she's in there. Um, those are like kind of the main things I'm so, sort of thinking the other thing too and this is worth noting her deal is pretty much uh, reportedly supposed to be up at, during her next big match against uh potentially Mayu and so maybe maybe she just wanted to work with Hazuki and Izumi and she doesn't have she only has one more date and she was like I want to maximize my my little run here so why don't we just throw Hazuki and Izumi in there so I could you know basically cross both of them off the bucket list. That's what I'm kind of thinking. And it might be a little bit of all those things, honestly.
0: Yeah, and like you're saying, nail on the head there of her deal, reportedly being up for that big Yokohama show that's coming up for stardom. And yeah, I think it would make more sense for her to go in there as a champion, have this big dream match with Mayu Iwatani and have Mayu beat her Get the belt just in time for, you know, Mayu's, uh, that movie about her life that's coming out um, pretty soon. So uh, I think that's the direction they're going to go. Uh, And I I think you made a great point, Josh, of, you know, Mercedes not being able to work that full out high speed style. So, yeah, throwing in Hazuki, who's had obviously great high speed matches with Azumi in in stardom. So somebody who can kind of help control the match up there. Also, we haven't seen Sasha or Mercedes work with a ton of Japanese talent. She worked with Kyrie, who speaks English. I'm not sure how Mercedes is gonna work with, you know, two Japanese fluent speakers who don't probably don't speak that much English. So they probably I don't know how that whole match is gonna work out. They don't
1: <laughs> they don't call things in Japan. It's all done by feel. And how is she going to work a triple threat match with girls that completely, literally work Japanese style where they don't call anything in the ring. Unless... Oh, sorry. Unless they lay it out ahead of time.
2: I feel like they're probably going to have a a planning meeting of some kind to organize it, largely because I always go back to that move that she did to Kairi at the Dome.
1: Mm, Yeah. That
2: image has stayed with me since January. And I don't think they want a repeat of that
1: i think that there's a good chance i think there's a good chance that uh i know everyone thinks that the next big match she does with mayu it, it should be for the title and she does the honors and she drops the belt and that's that's the end of her little run but i think that there's a i think she might like there might be a political aspect to it where literally hazuki gets beat by azumi azumi picks up the iwgb title and then the match with uh mayu doesn't need the title anyways it's two huge names on on us on a big stardom show and then she beats mayu and then she can literally like leave and say i was never pinned or beaten in japan period and i that sounds kind of like gross and nasty but like i think that that's a highly likely scenario
2: i don't know if bushi road has another Another uh, 100 grand to drop after April. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's. Or, what, or whatever it is. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all definitely a possibility, but I do think it's just kind of. It'll be kind of weird booking with having Azumi be the high speed champion and the IWGB women's champion, plus Mayu already calling next for the women's championship in Yokohama. So it's that's true. Of, um, so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of factors here, a lot of politics, a lot of. uh, Booking details that I'll see uh, Gato and um, Hatman are, are going to have to figure out. Rossi, they're going to have to figure out. Um, but, I mean, hopefully this ends up being a good matchup. So you have three very talented women in here. We just don't know how Mercedes is going to fit in this puzzle piece of this high-speed style matchup. Um,
2: I just hope she's ready to catch because... yeah me in the ring there's gonna be a lot of need for a lot of catching for a lot of high spots
0: well hopefully she didn't go to the mrs school for catching
2: (laughs) well luckily stardom will be probably like i'm hoping they'll have seconds around the ring where the girls will help with the catching but
1: we've seen uh sasha base before but i don't think she's like known to be the the best baser in you know in women's wrestling or anything like that so yeah there's also, I just have weird feelings about the entire run altogether. I was very optimistic when it first was announced and it happened, but a lot of the interactions with her audience and fan base has kind of soured me on it. And then, you know, I I, I don't want to, like, hyper-criticize her or anything like that necessarily, like, especially if it's done unfairly. But when I think about other Gaijin that have come into the company from the outside who maybe also it was their dream to wrestle in New Japan and they were sort of like a, a, a showcase like for instance John Moxley there just seemed to be a different kind of vibe and attitude about like his love respect and admiration for like Japanese wrestling and New Japan in general and like how like it's a dream of his you know what I mean that it comes through and like she says those words but the actions don't always feel like that you know what I mean it just kind of feels like a bucket list thing to like raise her profile and she's just—it's a cup of coffee—and she's gonna leave and go right back to WWE. And it's sort of like, all right, cool, thanks for coming. Like this didn't do anything for anybody. You got paid a lot of money, and I don't get it.
0: Karen, <laughs> anything to say? <laughs> no one's saying anything. Did, did I say something I'm not supposed to say? I don't. No, I'm just—I'm just, just watching. I don't care. I'm, I'm just watching Karen's reactions. I—I—I've
2: <laughs> I, I, said my piece. I'm not. I'm. I don't mess with the Sasha Crew. Like they <laughs> they wear me out. They wear me out when I was a w- when I was a hardcore WWE fan. They wore me out when I was a hardcore NXT fan. I've been very just, diplomatic about my thoughts small. about everything. But yeah, I just I I the hardest part about everything was how they hot potatoed. The the, you know they didn't give I'm still mad about January how Tam and Kai really got five minutes Mm -hmm. and their their entrances were longer than their match and their match was shorter than any of the tournament matches leading up to that match. I just feel like, like you you mentioned Moxie and other foreigners that have come into the country, they come over and they stay for a while. Yeah, they work road shows. They they're in those ten man tags.
1: She didn't do that. She flew in with the wrestlers
2: she is she you know they train they travel you know they do the hotel thing they do the long distance for like weeks or months at a time she flies in does what she does and flies back out Mm -hmm. and if i think that's where the disconnect is is that we're not i mean it also you know new japan doesn't have women's division a women's division for those who aren't who are new to stardom stardom's not new japan's women's division they're 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 sibling promotion and, you know, the time where she came over, they were already in the middle of a tournament at that point. They love their tournaments. and They're in the middle of another tournament right now. So it's like, I don't think she, because she, like the way her, the nature of her contract is, it severely limits how much the, like, the diehard New Japan fans that may, may or may not watch Stardom or how you know, the Stardom fans connect with her there is a certain amount of relying on her star power from her time in WWE to make all of this fit together. But if you're yeah. only going to have her there for one show in the States and then two shows like a week, a week and a half to two weeks apart in Japan and then that's it, what happened to the half a year buildup and all the stardom talent that did all of that work to make right. the title viable for the company? Well, even and like, then it like... get put on Mayu and she like like, you know runs with it for a year because that's when, when Mayu gets a belt, she doesn't really lose it very quickly. She'll have that belt probably until the dome.
1: Well keep in mind too, Maya didn't Mayu didn't want the belt to begin with in the first place.
0: So right she wanted to be that too. she wanted to be paid more. She's gonna be having to travel to the US <laughs> and do all these US dates on oh, top she, of our she, stardom dates.
2: No no when I spoke to her in Osaka she wanted the belt. She oh. wanted to do it. She gave oh, up okay. the SWA championship so she could pursue the IWGP championship and then the next day she lost to kairi in a great match but it was the now what like now what is my my who's done everything else in stardom she's won the five star she's won i think i think she's won the five star she's won the cinderella tournament she's held all the belts this is literally the only thing she hasn't done
1: the the other thing too aside from like the short changing of stardom you kind of compare and contrast i think another good example is like jericho his first run in new japan when it was just the one date Right. And, we, and then he set up a little angle with Naito and you never knew if he was going to come back. There was a lot that went into that, the video packages and the yeah. angles and all the work he did online. And then he came over and then there's the press conferences. There was a lot that you could s- stick your teeth into and be like, OK, they're going full bore with this. And like it just hasn't really matched up with the same vibe and energy with Sasha. And it's all been something right you want it to mean something like it's it's okay if she wins it's okay if she loses that's not the gripe here but it feels like they're shortchanging everybody that is putting in the work it feels very much like when you know the gripe that people have about wwe when they bring in these part-timers that are undeserving and you know it's really just to kind of benefit them as opposed to the brand and that's sort of what this feels like um but you know maybe i should keep my mouth shut i watched that show swarm the other weekend and I learned that you there are certain fan bases you don't want to go against; they'll come after you. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, also the, the, the reports of you know Gato not really liking to, not really wanting to book women's wrestling, um, and the title just not, you know just oh. being absent. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> being absent from the New Japan shows like there's no mention of the title of her like on these broadcasts, no video package. Like, this match was announced via social media, like. On, this, on these road to shows like they didn't like mention like it's, it was like no really be, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like a new japan title
1: i feel like kevin kelly and chris charlton have done more to promote the iwgp like women's brand than the company itself has <laughs> yeah. with all the work that they've like done to like research about the crossover with startup and stuff like that's kind of something that they're doing on their own and, and taking upon themselves that like the company's not doing all that you know what i mean
0: yeah all right, so what's what's our final prediction? Also, last here? thing, I have no clue what this match is going to look like. Maybe it'll be great. I don't know.
2: Just give them at least 10 minutes.
1: I'm sure they will. It's a co-main event. Yeah,
0: you would they hope. Should, yeah, this should get some time. <laughs> you would hope. <laughs> so final predictions?
2: Mercedes retains and loses in uh, two weeks in
1: Yokohama.
0: I, I think she retains and then loses to Mayu, but you never know. Same here. Alright, uh, main event We gotta talk about for the IWGP World Heavyweight title The champion, the rainmaker Kazuchika Okada Will defend against the 2023 New Japan Cup winner Sonata of Just five guys Alright, this is the, the big Main event, The big matchup Guys, will Sonata Finish his story Oh my god <laughs> um you know
1: i i don't want to relitigate this because we've discussed it at length and at nauseum, and i feel like karen has a lot of insight that she can offer with this but you know so i'm not going to repeat all the same talking points i had for the last two to three weeks if you want to hear all that it, it's out there we, we've discussed it but i'll just say again i feel i've never felt stronger that a new Japan Cup winner needed to turn around and win the title except for maybe when it was Okada going up against Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom or at uh in New York that being said a week less than a week out from the match I feel like Okada is going to win even though I every fiber of my being is telling me it's the wrong call and it's not the way they need to go I just feel that way.
2: I've waited seven years for this day to come. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 84 years <laughs> as a man. <laughs> so, my thing is, is that Sonata has left LIJ finally. He's got, you know, he's, he left LIJ in the cutting room form. He's shaved. He's clean cut. And my other problem is, is he needs this win. He, he When it comes to wins and losses, with Okada, Okada is like, that's the wall he can't scale. It ne- If they want to move forward with other stories and make other matchups that feel fresh, it needs to be Sonata. Now, again, talking about jumping the gun, had they not announced Tanahashi tagging with Okada in DC on the 16th or the 15th against uh, Motor City Machine Guns and Aussie Open, I'd be like, sure, Okada probably has a shot. But I don't think they're going to have Okada in a triple threat match, potentially with two sets of tag team championships, as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Because if not, that means there's only one outcome, and that's Tanahashi getting pinned again. So it needs to be Sonata. Need they need Okada? He's had the belt. He's had a belt. Tw- this belt twice. He can he can do other things. Let him go fight in, like, for the never open weight. Let him go fight Kenta. For the strong open weight, give him something else. Give him a project.
1: <laughs> well, Okada can't do that. He's Hulk Hogan. He will <laughs> only wrestle for the world title and nothing else, brother. <laughs> uh, put him
2: on commentary for a few months. Like make him sit one out.
1: <laughs> they they can pair him up with Brutus, Barber, Beefcake, and they can challenge for the 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 tag team titles. But that's a that's about it,
0: you know. So is Tanahashi brings <laughs> Brutus to the Barber Beefcake? <laughs>
2: I think it just died a little inside. Uh, I think
0: it's probably Yoshihashi, but I digress. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys. I think Sonata needs to win this. I, I do. I, I see what you're saying, Josh, that kind of that vibe of maybe Okaha's going to win. And, you know, Sonata's kind of had the, the momentum based off both of these Road Two shows. And I feel like we're the only show that's kind of been pushing this Sonata needs to win. It feels like everybody else is okay with Okada winning and it being fine. But I Mm -hmm. feel like, like everything you're saying, Karen, the the booking leads to Sonata winning, the change of the look, leaving L.I.J., starting just, you know, being a part of just five guys. He's a leader of a faction now. Second time um, going up against Okada for the title. It's like, these are all these all these story elements of pointing Sonata towards winning the title, and again, like we said last week, I don't think he has to have a super long reign. He can win it, lose that it Dominion. I'd be fine, but I think the story does call. I think the, the logical booking is for Sonata to win here, um, and I right. know a lot of people have been questioning the the DC match. We had a question about that. Uh, From Death Triangle 720, do you think New Japan spoiled the main event of Secure Genesis by putting Okada in a tag title match for Capital Collision? Now, we don't have the full Capital Collision card, uh, but I could see Okada being IWGB champion and being in that match. Like you're saying, Tanahashi just eating the pin.
1: Yeah, when I say this, it's not us being like, well, you know, maybe it could be like, they have had him as the world champion on various occasions team up with Tanahashi in in a lot of different situations yeah. and so there's pre- there's precedent there that if he in fact personally I never when when they made that announcement and I saw it that never to me felt like it was playing into the outcome of this match whatsoever in fact if anything And maybe I'm just flawed here. My initial gut reaction was like, he might still just be champion because it's a bigger draw to have the champion in a big tag team match against, you know, other world tag team title holders. And it's a way to like put him on the show as champion, as the draw, without having to necessitate a title defense, another one. You know what I mean? And inflate the title reign. So no, I don't think it gives anything away. Maybe, and maybe I'm wrong in thinking that maybe it is a dead giveaway. And I just didn't think that way, but like, I don't see it that way personally.
2: The other interesting thing was that Sonata is also advertised or at least using the graphics to promote capital collision and collision in Philadelphia. So even if the title were to change, it still could go to the United States. It would just be on a different person. I just don't think if Mercedes and Hiromu are both going to retain before before the main event, someone someone that those, one of those three, somebody needs to lose the title. And for me, the Sonata of the four other challengers, Sonata is the one that needs it the most.
1: Right. Well, I think here's the thing, and it, there's no secret here. There is a disconnect between the majority of a Western audience's feelings about um, sonata as a character and, yeah. and their investment of him versus like the domestic audience and you know i've i've always said this on the show i make no illusions about it i'm not the biggest sonata fan in the world personally but there is this weird thing where we li- we listen to all the other podcasts i mean not religiously but we listen to what other people in in the know are saying about the big matches and we listen to you know, we read articles and blah, blah, blah. We try to stay up and see what the, the general vibe is. We read the Discord channels. We we see the, the discourse on Reddit and Twitter. And, like, the Western audience really thinks Okada's winning this match. It's like a foregone conclusion. And they actually, I think a lot of them just think it, it would be a huge mistake to go with Sonata, period. Because they think, like, Okada's in the middle of a monster run. He's, you know, portraying this monster black trunk jumbo-esque character and he's never really lost in a big spot to Sonata in the past so they think there's precedent there and you know there's not necessarily a big vote of faith that Sonata could be the guy to revitalize the company in a certain sense I do think however personally I listened to Sonata in some of the press conferences and he did mention he said whatever you think about me and I'm kind of paraphrasing he's like whatever you think about me, I'm the guy that needs to win the title because me winning the title marks a shift in who can win this belt and who can challenge for this belt in the the general tone and tenor of the of the company. And I think that that's the case. And from, from a personal standpoint, as a fan, it would just feel such, it would feel like so wasteful and a waste of my time to have watched this dude go through the same tournament time and time and time again and almost win it, almost win it, almost win it, finally win it, and then face the guy that he's lost to so many times just to lose again. And like, I don't know how hot Sonata is. I don't have the metrics, the numbers, I don't know what kind of you know, t-shirt sales he's doing and all that. I don't know if there's a lot of you know, if there is a huge uh, audience behind him, Jeremy, maybe you could speak more to this. I didn't see what the audience's reactions were for him and Sonata in these uh preview tag matches, but um, it just from a classic booking standpoint, it feels like it would be a huge mistake for better or for worse for Sonata to be put in this position once again and then fail once again. And we are just in this never ending time loop. Where time is a flat circle we're spinning our wheels and like if it was almost anybody else i would say they don't need to beat Sonata or beat okada but because it's and because he's done this so many times if he loses again then the tournament was for not the run was for not the group is pretty much dead and even if like let's say six months from now you turn around and put the title on him I don't know that they're going to be able to competently heat him up any more than they are right now. If they're ever going to do it, now's the time. This is not a Naito at Wrestle Kingdom 12 situation. This is not a guy that they're going to be able to keep hot for two years before they finally pull the trigger. It's now or never. He's going to go into Goto territory if you make him lose right here. And I'm going to be sitting here, and I'm not even a fan of his, but I'm going to be like sick to my stomach being like, what are we doing? Why did we even book that? You should have just had Dave Finley win if he's got, if they're going to go that way. It's going to feel a lot like what Roman and Cody probably looked like the other night, yeah. and and even worse, what Sammy and Roman looked like in Montreal.
0: Yeah. Uh, I did have a question here from Rambo and Slam Pig. because I'm sold on the idea that Tanada is going to win the big one. If he does, who do you think would be a good fit for that first program? Please don't say Evil.
1: um I don't know that I have any kind of inklings of what a t- I don't know what a sonata title run looks like I don't know who the next guy should be maybe you guys have a better feeling about it mm-hmm. and to me the whole story is let's just get the title on him and and then let's go from there I don't I don't even need anyone to come out after the after he wins the belt and challenge I would be fine if just right now he wins the belt and then him and just five guys just celebrate and they go off the air and we can worry about a title challenge, you know, on the next tour, period.
2: All right. I'll give you my wish list, but then I'll give you what I think is going to actually happen. <laughs> uh, Tanahashi versus Sonata is always a good match. If Zach and Shingo didn't have championships on them, I'd say either of them. Achiki, Shota Uno, you know, people are like, oh, Ren to Ren- already called that Okada. Okada doesn't need to have the championship to have a never six-man match with, with Ren-, Ren-, Ren Reed, so we're going to put that over there. What I think is going to happen with Don Taco being the next to- next big show, it's either going to be ELP or David Finlay. Mm, I could that's see... a good call. If you're going to talk about, you know, things coming to a head between like, Bullet Club, if Bullet Club's going to survive, they're either going to try to win the belt for the club. And I feel like they would push ELP forward for that. Or David Finley is going to try to come back for seconds because ghetto can't help himself. Um But yeah, I, I, I feel like it's, it might be someone from bullet club.
0: Yeah. And historically the runner up in the new Japan cup usually does get um, a tile shot. Pretty soon after New Japan Cup, so it would make a ton of sense to run back Sonata versus Dave Finlay at Dontaku Bull Club 10 Year Anniversary. So I think they could probably go that route, or if they end up doing Finlay versus ELP in a singles, they could go the Lij route. Maybe you have Naito um, challenge and you you run that back and you do Naito and Sonata for the title.
2: Or, or Shingo, because he's grumpy about the way Sonata chose to leave.
0: Right, yeah. And we, we've seen Shingo already challenge with KOPW, so that's not a, a detriment to him. So you could run that back as well. Kijimuto probably would like to <laughs> do the match. <laughs>
2: Kaito, yeah. Kaito Kiyomi doesn't have a belt right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe the, the something is coming person, the, the globe person will be the next challenger.
2: I assure not, you, it's not me.
0: <laughs> Nakamura's not, not doing anything. You. They can bring in
1: Nakamura. He didn't even work WrestleMania. I'm sure he's available. If they're going to let him just come over and work shows in Japan, you might as well just let him work Sonata.
2: How about Asuka? Let her come over. <laughs> she, she 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 lost at Mania, too, so let, let let her come over and challenge for it. Why not?
1: Um, Since it is the Bullet Club anniversary and we feel like there's this – uh. You know, thing going on with ELP and um, you know David Finley, and maybe they got to duke it out. What if it is evil? Ew, I know. I don't feel that, but
0: considering their history and the fact that he's kind of like a quasi
1: leader, they might. Know,
2: it they might, might be.
0: And he's not it the. He's not, he's not the six man champs right now.
2: Because if 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 whoever comes up out of that match between Robbie and romu mm-hmm. I could easily see Ishimori being in the conversation for the for the t- junior match at Dontaku.
1: yeah I do I do think that there's a bit of an issue um, regardless of who wins one way or the other where yeah. there's not a there's not a good compelling challenger for either champion on the horizon and you're the one argument you might have for Okada is that Okada's a draw regardless of who he wrestles period I mean you know, It'll help to have a good dance partner, but it's not always necessary. In fact, there's probably a lot of people that think that the classic booking of this tournament is like the champion beats the winner and then goes on to Dantaku and fights the runner-up, which would be David Finley, which would kind of make sense. And that might be your, your argument for an Okada win. Conversely, with Sonata not i mean he's a star but he's not a guy that is proven box office draw at the top of the card time in time out he kind of does need a good compelling person to be his foil and there's no one on the horizon that i could see them doing big business the only person that maybe would make sense that we haven't talked about and i don't know his situation what if will osprey is available in
0: may that yeah there's potential there yeah they have, I a, feel they have a
2: like, lot of history if he's healthy yes but i feel like if they're trying to save him for something they're probably saving him for forbidden door that's true i could, I could yeah. easily see them saying we're not going to risk don taku because you know they could do they could finally have osprey omega-2 or whatever like I, I just feel like for for, for sure like forbidden door they might be saving osprey for that show that's what my gut tells me but i could be wrong
0: I mean, definitely. I think it all, I think Will would want to work if he was healthy, and he was supposed to face Sonata in the New Japan Cup. And if the booking was the same, Sonata would have beaten him to get to the final. So you, you could do that and have Sonata beat Osprey at Dantaku. You, you,
1: you I, I guess, since we're just thinking out the box here, um, the one person that comes to mind that is a big star that they could probably draw money with that's not really locked up in anything is Tetsu Naito. That's what I was saying earlier. Yeah, dude. Oh I, yeah,
0: sorry. Right. <laughs> night <Toe> and Sonata.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Naito and Sonata. Even though they just did it, that was a tournament match. That might make sense to run it back because it's like, okay, we let you out of the group. You won your belt. Now it's time to pay dues. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> the chicks are coming home to roost. Let's right. let's let's run it back. Yeah. Or Taiji. They could. That would, I thought about. Make that, it interesting. Same group. It'd be, it'd be like, all right, I-, I saved you, I brought you here, I raised you up, now give me a shot. <laughs> yeah, I want mine. <laughs> but I don't know if that would be, I don't know. Some of these, um, I think that right now, they need to be putting, Sanata, if Sonata does win, they need to be putting him in situations where he's facing the old guard, guys that are proven draws, to establish him as a draw. Yeah. I think that if they put him in any situation other than that, it's going to scream, he's not the real champion. Right. I
2: just feel it would be too soon to do Tanahashi because Tanahashi literally just challenged for the belt.
1: That's true. But then it's, again, it's a new challenge for him. Yeah. I think I think something like t- Tanahashi makes more sense than, say, like an Ishii or, you know, Goto. Like a Goto or uh, like a, a Chi. All of those scream. You're not the real champion. You're just the guy holding the belt. The real yeah. ace is still Okada. And mm-hmm. they need if they do put the belt on him, they need to give him top-end challengers like Naito's and guys like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I had some questions here from the Dark Soldiers. It says, given what happened in Mania and how deflating the ending was, does that further prove how much Sonata needs to win? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think,
1: honestly the the company's going to be fine if, if okada wins you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's not going to be a terrible business decision because okada is a proven business commodity it's just going to be like you wasted all of the fans time and now this is bad booking and it's starting to become a little toxic you know what i mean mm-hmm. like why are we watching this and gato already has a tendency to do repeat booking Time and time again, especially with titles, especially with tournaments, I don't, I don't need, yeah, and with Okada, I, I'm fine with Okada being a, a long term champion, but I just don't see the point of them having pushed this guy, giving him a new look, giving him a new faction, had him win the tournament. If we're just going to turn around and have him lose, then at that point the group's dead. Because I, I personally, it, and it's not that Sonata couldn't hypothetically be rehabbed. But it won't be against Okada because yeah. Okada's, you know, ate his lunch at that point.
0: Yeah, if he loses it, he's definitely like this clear upper mid card, you know, US title, never title guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like the question relating back to Mania, I mean, I do think it is kind of a similar situation of, you know, that they built up Cody Rhodes. They had this whole thing of finishing the story, bringing in his dad's legacy and. Romans had this super long tile run and they, they got Cody super hot. And there's a lot of people that were really invested and really thought that Cody was going to do it. And he did not And they are upset. Well, they're, they're, you know, hate WWE. They're, they're not watching raw tonight. Um, so it's almost a, a kind of a similar situation.
1: I don't want to get too much in the weeds with that, but I, I'll tell you this. I, I've felt very much for a long time that Roman Reigns was going to win. And here's the simple reason why if you've paid attention to that company for any length of time, what did they do to every outsider that they, that was ever a big deal that they ever brought into the company or back to the company for that matter, when it came time for them to face the big champion, they never let them beat the big champion. They've never done that. They have no history of it. They've got no track record of it. And you're telling me that they're going to let, guy that left who broke the throne quote unquote who riled up the forces against them and started a rival company come back and beat hulk hogan beat the rock beat stone cold beat their all-time greatest champion of the modern era that was never ever ever going to happen that would have been like if. They brought rick flair back in 1992 and then he went to wrestlemania and beat hulk hogan not happening it's just never going that was never going to happen it doesn't matter if triple h was the booker or vince was the booker doesn't matter who that booker was that he was never winning that match and I, it, it is unfortunate because they got a lot of people to believe and they got a lot of people to pay a lot of money <laughs> it was just never going to happen yeah and it was easy to see if you if you pay attention. But there's a lot of people that don't pay attention, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Uh, he also asks, uh, do you think the strong champion should battle the IWB World Champion in a unification match at Dantaku? It's a way to do away with the belt, but in a dignified way. They could do that, but I don't know. Do you, I mean... Kenta no
1: probably has some juice to it. I don't know how well Kenta versus Sonata first
0: time title defense is going to do. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Uh,
2: but... I'm, I'm confused. Is this from, is this from a previous conversation that you all have had about getting rid of the strong open weight championship or this
1: is a listener question.
2: Okay. I, if we not going and be... I think there are
1: people that think that that title should go away. And I think, I, I kind
0: of agree.
2: <laughs> I think KOPW should go away, but.
0: Yeah, I yeah. agree with that too. <laughs> yeah, there's too but, many titles in New Japan right now.
2: Yeah, I think my thing is, is that the, the thing about the strong openweight championship, it was it's great for the, for the shows where you're not sending over the IWDP champion mm-hmm. here in the States. That was the thing. That was what made New Japan strong for two years feel really important with Tom Lawler and his run, with Fred Rosser and his run, was that if you weren't going to give us the IWDP champion or the never open weight champion, you were, we were going to have a championship of like, that was just for new Japan strong.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But if you're going to take that away from them, it's just like, why did you go, go so far as to make tag titles as well? Right. Yeah. So it, it's the, are you going to start sending your champions over more frequently and not run concurrent tours? Or I wouldn't do away with the championship. If you're not going to do the, Pre-pandemic, New Japan live in in the United States. If you're not sending over the whole roster with all the belts and there's a whole bunch of title matches that matter in the continue the greater continuity of New Japan, don't get rid of the ch- don't get rid of the Strong Championships. Let this let the international scene have something that's theirs.
1: I don't think if you did get rid of it, it would be merged into the IWGB title. I could see it being more uh, into the US. Never yeah that's more com- comparable you know title unless oh is that kai yeah
2: <laughs> not my dog she's taking a nap
1: <laughs> unless like unless you wanted to do a big IWGP title defense in america i don't know if that's going to be a big draw in japan but if you wanted to do you know, the ne- the strong champion against the IWGP champion. And if you, you can merge it or not merge it, whatever. But if you wanted to make that a title challenge for a U.S. show, that might draw. That might actually
0: mean something in America. I don't think it's
1: going to mat- mean anything in Japan, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the U.S. title should be the face of the U.S. shows. I agree. And so you, that you should merge the, the strong title, the U.S. title. And the U.S. title should be the thing that main events and is the the headline thing for U.S. pay-per-views. But I guess we have we have to get the U.S. title back first to even have that conversation. Yep. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on that one. We'll <laughs> be here all night.
0: Uh. So, uh, final predictions. We're all we're all going Sonata.
2: Yes, it is time.
0: I'm predicting Okada to win. Mm. And I'm.
1: It, this is basically what I did at WrestleMania. I predicted Roman to win, and I rooted with all my heart and soul for Cody. So, all, all that's the what adre- I'm going to do here. All the like, adrenaline I, in your soul. I want Sonata to win, but uh, I think Okada's going to win, and I think we're going to be disappointed. And I think the, the greater U.S. fan base is just going to be like, yeah, this. of course this was going to happen. And I'm going to be like, it, there's no reason this should have
0: happened. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Sonata. I, I'm gonna go with the the right booking decision. I guess we'll we'll see whether or not Gato makes the right decision come this weekend. Uh, question here from the Dark Soldier: Why is it called Secure Genesis? There's never any Genesis of McGil- McGillicuddy there, so why call it that? I don't.
1: Isn't isn't it? It has something to do with the cherry blossom season, and and right.
2: Yes, actually, it does.
0: See, so, I'm
2: a little bit. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you for that one. So in Japan, the fiscal and academic year goes from April to March. So right now, at March, you know, March had just finished. Usually cherry blossom season, the coming of spring. Spring is the arrival of new things, rebirth, yada, yada, yada. So yes, this is their way of saying it's their big spring show. New fiscal yep. year, new us.
0: Nice, and uh, also I had a question from Wiz Factor. It says, Secure Genesis will be held at almost the 10th anniversary of Invasion Attack 2013. Just thought it would be nice for keeping a strong style to reminisce about the Okada Tanahashi main event, as well as talk about how important that match was to New Japan and pro wrestling in general.
1: Which which title fight was this?
2: <laughs> <laughs> which Okada Tanahashi was this? Which
1: Okada Tanahashi match are we talking about? What, and, I should have read the questions before we got
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> so invasion attack 2013. Wouldn't that have been after the Rainmaker shot? It's it's the rematch when Tanahashi got the belt back. Is that
1: which one we're talking about? Oh my See, god, this is I was, I was
2: seeing auto. the keeping it strong style. Reminisce. So I like I, I clocked out on that one.
1: God. <laughs> oh, like, okay, oh, okay. this is
2: for the boys, not me.
1: Okay, so the deal here. This was their. Um, fifth title match. So remember remember last year or, or maybe the year before you me and Rich we did that uh that reminisce of the 10 year anniversary. It was last year because we did the reminisce of the initial feud between Tanahashi and Okada. We covered the first four matches. Yeah. This is the fifth match. So this is after Wrestle Kingdom 7 when Okada regained the title against Tanahashi in what is generally considered one of their best matches in the series um and you know honestly i don't it it was a very 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 important match because this was kind of the the start of the down the slow descent of tanahashi being the top ace and the rise of okada being the top guy i i don't have everything in front of me and i haven't watched the match in a while to like tell you the ins and outs of it but like the basic gist of the story up to this point had been Okada shocked Tanahashi and it was very clear that he was a wrestling genius who was so prodigious that his raw talent was capable of defeating Tanahashi at his zenith but Tanahashi still had the key like edge against him when it came to experience and game planning and he was able to utilize a lot of the rookie mistakes that okada had made in the early iterations of their matches to beat him and best him and it really became apparent that on the big stage like wrestle kingdom he was still the man but when invasion attack happened this was right re- actually i recall i'm remembering it's all coming back to me now okada ends up winning the um, new japan cup i believe he beat togi magabe at the end of that tournament and this was like okay you beat me at Wrestle Kingdom but like I'm ascending to a new level now and he came into that match and every game plan that Tanahashi had used in the past working the arm working the leg basically Okada had scouted all that and come up with a new game plan and was able to basically show that like not only have I do I have this prodigious level of talent but like I've also caught up in wrestling IQ and experience to you and now you have no edge over me any longer and you're fucked and that was like the the part where like after this Tanahashi goes into desperation mode in his matches and he starts working quasi heel and trying to find shortcuts because he he no longer is capable of beating Okada based off of just his you know um experience alone the match is fantastic if you've never seen it I highly recommend it and it does the the early the 2012 version of their feud is really great but this is the match that takes them to the classic level where people start calling it like you know the new generation of flair steamboat where like their matches are the best that we've seen for generations this is this match is the one that really set the tone and pace for that essentially
0: nice yeah i mean i've I haven't been following new japan back in 2013 i know we've talked about the rivalry and i forget the i mean i've watched so many Okada tanahashi matches now that i've given them all mixed up like after this the only thing that was left for Okada to do to prove that he
1: was T- tanahashi's superior was to beat him in the tokyo dome because after this he pretty much owns tanahashi this is, the, this is the match where, like, Okada is firmly cemented as, like, I'm not just the the guy that shocked you all those years ago. I'm probably, I'm the new ace. This is it. And it would take still a few years before he beat him at Wrestle Kingdom 10, but, like, this is the one where it's like, all right, we're equals.
0: Nice. That's it. wonder if that will have any, you know, that history, anniversary, have any play into the result of the uh, the world title matchup. I guess we'll have to wait and see so uh, well let's
1: get into the news real quick so um new japan pro wrestling has announced dominion in osaka joe hall that's gonna occur on june 4th so very excited for that capital collision is occurring on april 15th so later this month and a few matches were announced new Japan strong champion Kenta will defend against eddie edwards this was made on the heels of the recent impact show that we just reviewed New Japan strong tag team title champions, the mercy machine guns will defend against Okada and Tanahashi, as well as Aussie open. Fred Rosser will be taking on juice Robinson in a grudge match. Rocky Romero Tomohiro Ishii Leo rush and Clark Connors and the DKC will be taken on Polador junior, Mike Bailey, Kushida, Kevin Knight, and Gabe Kidd. That sounds awesome. And finally, Shane Hayes and bad Tito of TMDK will be taken on Royce Isaacs and Jarell Nelson. Um, The next day, Collision in Philly takes place on April 16th and announced for that match, or for that show, Tetsuya Naito and Hiromu Takahashi take on the Bull Club members, Kenta and Chase Owens. Finally, there was an announcement earlier, I believe today, for Tamashi, Hiroki Goto will be taking on Chris Basso on April 14th in Adelaide. And uh, the big main event, April 16th, Robbie Eagles' one-on-one with Shingo Takagi is official for Melbourne
0: nice and we just have uh, two questions here and we'll get to recommended match of the week uh def triangle 720 says how do you feel about new japan's direction right now in 2023
1: um i personally i think that we are in what i would kind of classify as like a rebuilding period um definitely there's been almost nothing but positive signs of life for the the overall product, especially coming out of this past year's Wrestle Kingdom. Um, There's definitely some things you could criticize, but uh, this most recent tournament was, you know, really a show that they're going with new talent, new stories, new, um, you know, factions, faction shakeups, and they've brought people back from excursion, and they're starting to show signs that a lot of the people that are out on excursion, they've got, uh, you know, intentions to bring them back and get them in the mix as well so while do i think we're right now in the middle of like say 2017 2018 peak new japan like is everything fi- firing on all cylinders and you know we're ready to say like this is the premier period of new japan And like no but it, in a lot of ways it reminds me of like 20 2012 2013 new japan when they were coming out of the dark ages and they were gearing up for that legendary run it feels like we were sort of in a down period the last few years for a variety of reasons. We don't need to go over them all again, but you know, it's no, it's no secret that in the midst of, you know, the pandemic, there were a lot of issues and they've really started to put their best foot forward in a lot of different ways. And do I feel like right now the company is super hot and has all the buzz in the world and is the talk of the wrestling town? Like, no, but for fans, it's extremely satisfying as a company right now. And there's no reason that within six months to a year that they, they couldn't be doing top end business once again. And not only that, but like all the work they're doing with other companies and different shifts in their booking philosophy and their, you know, business patterns. Like, I think it's all good, honestly.
0: What do you think, Karen? Uh,
2: Cautiously optimistic is where I'm at right now. They, they like, josh said they are making some moves they started you know investing in new people to sort of like you know they're, they're giving platforms to younger talent and the problem is that they need to stay consistent they can't keep going back to over reliable like when, whenever they're in a pinch oh don't worry we, have, we still have okada around don't worry we still have haroma around they need to start taking more like they're doing well i would like to see them start taking a, a couple more chances on other people too yeah. I know it's baby steps, but like we don't need an, another Okada G1, when we don't need another Harumubesa Super Juniors win. Give me something fresh. Give me something like, Make me believe that you have other c- credible contenders in your company besides a handful—literally a handful of people.
0: Yeah, I. You, you agree know what? Oh, go ahead, Jeremy. No, so yeah, I agree with that. I would say you know I just feel like the first quarter of the year, I think it's been a very strong quarter overall. Um, like I mentioned, we've seen a lot of uh, faction shake-up, uh, great matches. And so overall, I think the direction is going good. We're starting to see some new people get pushed. But, I mean, overall, um, you know, you want something new, something fresh. And we've been, you know, beating a, a dead horse with this. You know, the LA Dojo guys, you know, why isn't Coughlin and Kidd and all those guys, Connors, why aren't they in Japan consistently? Um, you know, there's so mm-hmm. there's so many great talent that they have access to. That are, that are their talent. It's not like we're asking them to bring in a bunch of AEW guys. Like you have <laughs> Connor I mean, Coglin. do though. I mean, yes, I I want the dream, the AEW dream matches. I, I want Danielson to come over. I want more Kenny. I want those guys to come over. But you 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 have Coglin under contract. You have Clark Connors. You have right. You have Kevin Knight. You have the DKC. You you have Filthy Tom Lawler, Jr. Kratos. Like you have all these great guys that you can mix in to what you're doing in new japan right now that would freshen things yeah, up
1: villa, villa lobos Lucci, uh <laughs> the big names richards all of them oh man no yeah. actually i'm
2: Ray- richards it. at oh, least went through the dojos
0: i'm just playing i like those guys <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah but i mean yeah u.s australia uh the the rev pro partnership like you they have access to so many great talent like it, they don't have to rely on the old people all the time because they have guys that are, are great and that they can push and that can be stars.
1: Well, one thing I will say in defense of the company, there's going to be growing pains while they're absolutely starting to bring in, you know, and give guys like say a show to Umino, who admittedly has not knocked it out of the park. He's done well. And I think is showing a lot of positive signs, but you know, Tana, we've said this before, Tanahashi, Was not knocking it out of the park in his first few years in the company after excursion or after graduation like it took a while for some of the big name i mean same thing with nakamura nakamura wasn't nakamura when he first got even after his first couple title runs he still wasn't nakamura you know what i mean right um it's gonna be a little while and i i think what we're starting to see sadly some of the guys we love that are older they're starting to get down cycled including Tanahashi and I think some of the guys that we see as like old reliable are starting to be in that transitionary phase I think that Okada and Hiromu specifically are like linchpins of crossing the bridge generationally between the young guys and helping bring them to the to the main event level while they downcycle your Naito's and your Tanahashi's and some of the other names into more appropriate roles. And so it's going to take a little bit of time, but I do agree. I want to see them bring in people that have been in their system for years and haven't been given opportunities. I think it's high time that Clark Connors and Gabe Kidd and Alex Coglin and, and those guys come back. It's time for Yui Mora and Tsuji to be given chances. It's time for this stuff to be happening and them to push... Even the guys that are there yo show like what are we doing you know what i mean so it's time it's time for them to start branching out and while they're doing that they're still going to need to also draw and they're still also going to need to utilize those big stars i mean you look at all japan in the 90s the the story goes that one day you know Mizawa took off his mask and he was a star it's like no jumbo was still champion for like another two to three years while Mizawa and kawada and all those guys were getting up to the level to be able to headline it, it didn't happen overnight right
0: you guys have something karen
2: no I, i'm being i'm being a bad guess and i'm like kind of like corner watching raw in the bottom corner of my computer and cody just got like 28 f5s from brock lesnar and it's like <laughs> Lane. rock was
1: turned on him and gave him that five
2: he, he gave them several like four in the <laughs> ring one through the table put the ring steps in the ring smashed him so down I, on I, it and stood over like the remains of his body
1: it's a bit i went, much, to, go get a,
2: <laughs> I went to go get
1: a beer and um <laughs> my girl my girlfriend kind of clued me in. so like at the beginning of the show he ch- yeah cody came out and challenged roman and roman was like i'll only fight you in a tag match and you have to find someone who who If they tag with you, they can never challenge for the title. Good luck with that. But there was already a stipulation where Brock cannot challenge Roman again after SummerSlam. Yeah. So babyface Brock comes out, and it's like very clear, like oh, he's going to turn on Cody tonight.
2: Yeah, he did. He just murdered Cody. Now he's throwing chair, getting ready to take a chair to his head on top of the ring steps in the center of the ring.
1: No, still no Jay White. And and you know what? Cody's not going to beat rock in that beauty
2: nope sure <laughs> isn't and then you know three hours of raw there was one women's segment that came in the third yeah, hour so but anyway well, i digress
0: last
1: question so we get the show, <laughs> and it's it's actually wwe related uh friend of the show bash said non-related njpw has anoki's vision of mma and pro wrestling being achieved now that the Fe- has that been achieved now that the fed has brought has been bought by the parent company of the ufc all jokes aside, what do you think it means for the streaming services around the world? Do they merge it into one, make it more expensive, or keep it separate since the fan bases are probably a lot different from each other? Uh, all love and good thoughts, good vibes, bash.
0: Yeah, I mean, so for those who don't know, the the sale has you know officially happened today. The, the parent company of Endeavor that owns UFC, they they have now, they've bought in WWE. They're going to merge them into a new publicly traded company um, with, you know, Endeavor having 51% control of the company and WWE having 49%. Um, so, yeah, I'll see that's going to lead to all kind of business opportunities. I, I do think eventually there's a, a ton of money to be made to have UFC and WWE on one Big streaming service, I think that um, with the new leadership I think they're going to try and follow the same pay-per-view model That they're doing right now at UFC Where you have to subscribe to ESPN+, Plus, but then to get the pay-per-views You have to pay the extra monthly fee I think we've been kind of seeing that shift in wrestling happen Even New Japan has been slowly doing it with some of their produce shows And some of their other um, random pay-per-view Like the, the All-Star Junior Festival stuff Um, So I think wrestling is kind of swinging back into trying to get people to pay for pay-per-views. Obviously, AEW has already been doing that since their inception. Um, So I do think there is a potential where you could have, whether it's ESPN Plus or something else, where UFC and WWE are in the same thing, and then to get the pay-per-views, you will have to pay $60, $70, whatever it is, um, a month to get those extra pay-per-views.
2: For the love of God... Whatever it is, let it be better than Peacock and not as terrible as Bleacher Report. Like, <laughs> like, like Fight TV, like, let that be the template. Affordable, like, everybody can participate because, like, it, that's the thing is that I feel like while they are, you know, separate and entities of their own, if you make at, cer- at a certain point, you're going to end up pricing out your own audience. There are people that, regardless of how much it costs, they're going to pay for it. But we've been spoiled these la- ever since the launch of the network that the pay-per-views are almost always, if I'm not mistaken, or consistently, they're always free. It's included in your $10 subscription. It's never been more than that. If they're going to move to a more pay-per-view, like a return, ret- like, ironically, a return to a pay-per-view format, but under their own control, you risk losing parts of your fan base especially the casual fans that are like, this is great and all, but I can't pay $60 for a TV show. I've, that $60 is groceries for a week for some people. So,
1: yeah, so guys, this is gonna, this is what is going to happen. And this is coming from someone that watches copious amounts of mixed martial arts has been following the UFC since 1993. And uh, more importantly, has really paid lot of attention to what has happened since uh the endeavor group has purchased the ufc they're going to maximize profits period so what that means is they're going to find every single money-making avenue that Vince McMahon has never dreamed of (laughs) to capitalize on this company does that mean that your favorite wrestlers in wwe might be sporting you know um venom like sponsor placed you know products from like Venom or Reebok and all I'm not saying they're all going to look the same but are they going to have to get their stuff approved and and sponsored by whatever company is in partnership with Endeavor yeah that's probably going to happen because they've already done that in the UFC and so don't be surprised if all your wrestlers are walking product placements from here on out also don't be surprised if at the very least the big four pay-per-views go back to pay-per-view but more likely, they're going to probably move all the PLEs to pay-per-view. You'll be able to watch, you know, Peacock for $5 or whatever, but um, you're going to pay $60 plus. I think right now a lot of the UFC pay-per-views are – and here's another thing. It's not going to be a fixed price. It's going to go up year over year over year because Oof. that's exactly what the UFC has done. And their pay-per-views sometimes – I think some of them range 60 to $80 depending on what version you're you're paying for. They're going to do that with wwe and i know that the argument against that is people are going to say well that's going to turn people off from the fan base yeah but there's gonna be people people that pay and they don't really care they just want to make the most amount of money that they possibly can they took a four billion dollar purchase and quadrant and and made three times that much money and now the company's worth 12 billion yeah and then that that's why they were able to buy wwe for nine billion or whatever the price finally ends up being um they don't be surprised if like in new japan the entire not only do they have advertised sponsors like you saw at wrestlemania but if the entire mat is just covered in logos very similar to new japan they're going to do everything in their power to make as much money off of wwe they did not buy this company for nine billion dollars to not recoup that money and then make it back triple quadruple they have intentions to bleed you of the most money they can. Right now if you're a new, if you're a UFC fan and you're actually paying for all the pay-per-views, you're paying over $1500 annually just to watch the pay-per-views, not to mention what wow. you're already pay- not to mention what you already pay for ESPN Plus as a subscription service and that doesn't even include their other subscription service for $10 a month for fight pass. They have multiple streams of revenue. It's going to be the same thing with WWE. And don't be surprised if the Peacock service goes to a tiered service as well where you get like a free version and then this version and then this version. This is all going to happen. And they're probably going to raise rates year over year. They've already talked about Peacock is going to start jacking those prices up because they got like 20 million subscribers. So it's going to become very expensive to be a WWE fan in the near future. And that's not even just you know, accounting what they already pay to buy their fake belts and shit.
0: (laughs)
2: <laughs> when it comes to um the nefarious means one may use to not necessarily watch said live stream in the most mm, you know legal sort of sense of the matter is ufc pirated a lot like re- wrestling streams are like way people- more but
1: they're also very judicious about stopping those and also pressing charges if they're able to and they okay. try and they have yeah
2: that's what I figured, but that I figured that because that that's instantly going to become part of the conversation at some point is like, how how um, Joe Schmo, every guy who can't afford fifteen hundred dollars a year to watch, not necessarily mm-hmm. they would have to up their game on every single play per view to make it consistently worth fifteen hundred dollars a year. You you can't have like a- like a, like a, a, a slide through with a like backlash or you you know a really weak you know b-tier pay-per-view at that point right like that might might be everything would have to be feel like it's more wouldn't it
1: potentially that might be your one benefit is it might cause the booking to actually improve because the booking was undoubtedly better in wwe when they needed when they actually were on a pay-per-view model and it wasn't on their own subscription service so because they relied on that but you know like for instance with the espn deal they get paid the same amount no matter what for pay-per-view so they get put and uh, a lot of WWE's current deals are similar to that they might just end up getting a wholesale deal and putting the pay-per-views changing the PLEs to pay-per-views and then still just profiting regardless of how they perform and kind of putting the impetus on whoever their business partner is like Peacock or NBC Universal or Fox or whoever to pay them I mean, because they're about to have a, a TV renegotiation, anyways. Who knows? They might go to ESPN too, and they might just get grandfathered into the the, the ESPN deal. And like UFC pay-per-views don't do that well anymore. They they have literally been able to move away from a star-based model where they were relying on George Saint Pierre and Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey and you know John Jones and Conor McGregor to drive their revenue now they've taken the power away from the fighters and just put it on the company because they're very similar to WWE they just make money hand over fist regardless because they've got a flat rate deal from ESPN period and it's been extremely lucrative for them and yeah their pay-per-views are not better for it after having moved to that to that model but they make more money so who knows maybe that will happen with WWE too It's, it's hard to tell The one good thing, though, is I could see a scenario where you get a similar to like the bundle packages that are out there with streaming services where it's like you get ESPN and Disney and blah, blah, blah and Hulu or whatever. I could see a situation where you pay 20 bucks a month and you get Fight Pass and WWE Network. That
0: might be, you know, possible.
2: Bring back the network.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's uh, close up the show here for Recommended Match of the Week. Um, so last week for the Recommended Match, Josh recommended the Amazing Attack 2013 pay-per-view uh, for the IWGB Junior Tag Team Titles, the, the Time Splitters, Alex Shelley and Kushida versus Apollo 55, Prince Devitt, and Reese If you've never seen this match,
1: you need to see this match, not only because it's one of the greatest tag team matches in the history of the sport, um, and in my opinion, I think it is the, I think it's the best junior tag team match in New Japan history. Period. Mm. Um, but it's also, from a historical standpoint, probably the most influential junior tag match that has ever occurred anywhere. Almost any high-flying style, fast-paced, high offense like uh, tag team since 2009 that you're a fan of, they watched this match and were influenced by it and it is like a perfect, and uh, keep in mind, like, Apollo 55, if you've never seen the popularity of Apollo 55 in their heyday with Prince Devitt and Rizuki, uh Taguchi, like, you need to see this, because they were like really, really, really hot, really, really, really beloved, and uh, it's also cool to kind of see the Morris Machine Guns play like quasi-heel in this match, but it's just awesome, it's like a melding together of a smorgasbord of styles, you see like British catch wrestling, you see you know brawling on the outside high flying offense Lucha Libre strong style pretty much everything is sort of melded in there and it is it's laid out some people call this a spot fest and it definitely is but there's so much intricate thought into the double team maneuvers and counter reversals and it's literally taking place almost from the offset um it's just a really high octane high fast-paced energy match and it goes for over 20 minutes and it's it's really incredible. Um, I'm not always the biggest Prince Devitt fan personally, but there was a there was a point in this match where he does this incredible dive to the into the audience that like is legitimately breathtaking. Um, yeah, uh, when it happened, it definitely had match of the year contender, um, you know, applause and attention at the time. And I think after all these years, it still holds up as being probably the best junior tag match in new Japan history. And that's including everything involving like the time splitters and the young bucks and red dragon and all those teams had
0: great matches. But I think this is the one. Nice. Um, then for the excursion match of the week it was four four and three quarters coward. <laughs> I, I'm not five on it, but I love it and I think it's great. Uh, for the excursion uh, match of the week, we picked the IWGP US title match with Kenny Omega defending against Jeff Cobb last week on AEW Dynamite um, thought this was a very good match also not to the level of the the Vikingo match Kenny had uh, the previous week um, but overall really good matchup you know it wasn't the main event it's kind of in the middle of the show. Um, Kenny had to, to overcome uh you know the the power of Jeff Cobb um Jeff would overcome Kenny and co- Kenny was coming in hurt um from the beat down from the the Blackpool Combat Club and also distracted with Don Callis being taken out so Kenny was a little bit off of his game and really having to uh you know do some tricks to catch up with Jeff Cobb and uh, towards the end just killed him with B triggers, got him up for the, the one wing angel, walked him around the ring, which is very impressive to see how strong Kenny is. Uh drops Jeff and uh, gets the win here in uh gets a successful defense of the IWGP US title. Yeah, I
1: uh I really enjoyed that match quite a bit and um definitely uh I thought I thought they I thought that Kenny gave a lot to Jeff in that match. Yeah. I'm like four, four and a quarter on that match that was very good um this coming week um for the recommended match of the week we're kicking it back to the 80s and um i'm recommending from january 6th 1983 the trilogy match between kuniyaki kobayashi and the original tiger mask satoru sayama
0: nice then for the excursion match of the week We're going to go to the WrestleCon Super Show And it's going to be United Empire Jeff Cobb and Aussie open Against Time Machine Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, And Kushida Well uh, Karen thanks so much For joining us on the show Tell our listeners where they can find you Online
2: if you would like to join my journey with wrestling, head over to pouchwrestling.com. I do primarily stardom and New Japan coverage, as well as a monthly column on the Japanese women's wrestling scene and the overall international landscape for those who want to go to Japan. Um, also, you can find me over on Instagram at Hey Karen Sensei.
0: Nice. Well, thanks, Karen, once again for joining us and helping us preview Secure Genesis. So, has I- my pleasure. Next week, we'll be back to review Sakura Genesis and see if uh, Sonata's story was able to be completed. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting slash donate and clicking the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow us on Instagram at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Y'all just keeping a strong style. You can email me Jeremy at socialsuitbox.com and check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suitplex Podcast Network. One h Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences, hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd and Austin. The AW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam, and the Meet the Press Slam, hosted by Danny and. That's going to be it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. It's bone.
1: Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.